And listen, there's nothing even on the table, and there's nothing for Tyson besides fighting me. And whether he wants to admit it, he wants to keep shopping it around, want to keep playing it, whatever, but he also knows that. And if you can see it, there's an article that came out where Tyson thought that it was going to come out that he was going to fight me and that about how much money he was offered. So he starts saying, well, uh, no matter how much money it is, it's no longer fun because I'm looking kind of smaller and weaker. Hey, Power Nation. We have an amazing podcast in store for you today. We have one of my oldest and best friends in the world, Bob Sapp, professional fighter, actor, uh, cultural icon in Japan and Asia on the podcast. The Beast. So we go through a little bit of origin story. I met Bob. I mean, I've known Bob half of my life. So we go through our origin story. Uh, more importantly, you know, his career in terms of professional fighting, how he got his break, how he's persevered. And now here he is almost 50 years old after fighting, uh, you know, playing in the NFL, um, you know, fighting all over the world to retirement and dedicating his life to fitness, meditation, and just basically being an all around badass. And also gets into a little bit of uh, if Mike Tyson wants to fight him and he thinks Tyson's been ducking him all these years. Very entertaining episode all the way through. And I, I mean, it, it helps so much that y'all are good pals. Yeah. You pull that out and we, we got an amazing, I mean, just experience. I'm sitting back and listening half the time, but it's great. From meeting Bob in my rookie year and staying friends with him. I mean, we, you know, either text or call or, or you know, interact in some way almost, you know, every week, if not every other day. I mean, Bob has been a fixture in my life for, you know, over two decades. And uh, to see what he's amassed in terms of his success and seeing him go from, you know, uh, getting cut by the Ravens and this, I mean, and then going to NFL Europe and then, you know, going into WWE and that going bankrupt and then really his rise into where, you know, to where he is today is nothing but inspiring. And it was amazing to be his friend and see his success. And we always say, man, to be a, a fan of humanity and see people stand on the biggest stage with the greatest accomplishment and, and be successful is Bob Sapp. So amazing podcast. I'm really excited to um, have my good friend Bob Sapp on here and introduce you to Bob the Beast and more importantly, Bob the Intellectual and just the amazing human I've come to know. Hey, Power Nation. Summer is weeks away. And you got to get that body right. Now, whether it's to pack on a little bit of muscle to fill out those pants and fill out that T-shirt or to lean out and show off those abs by popping off that shirt, we got you covered. Now, the reason we like to start busting our ass now is so that we have a little bit of margin of error so that you can cut loose and not feel guilty. So what I want you to do is go check out one of Power Athletes Nutrition Protocols. We got a leaning. We got a bulking. We got a keto. And we also have a performance protocol for those of you that need a little bit of extra attention are really trying to dial it in so that you look like a million bucks come summer to learn more head to powerathletehq.com forward slash nutrition to find out which protocol is right for you and we're going to give you an extra 20 percent off at checkout with the code eat the week 20 percent. yeah that's all caps e-a-t-t-h-e-w-e-a-k at checkout dude sounds good to me now you got your mission you know what we're expecting Go get it. See ya. Hey, Bob, it is so good to see you, dude. Thank you. Thank I you. you know, I feel that? like uh, even though we talk pretty often, dude, it's good to be face-to-face. And, uh, dude, it's been a while since we've been face-to-face, so it's great to see you. Yes, absolutely. You know, and I mean, COVID, you know, changes a lot of stuff. It, it put a lot of damper in a lot of, you know, travel schedules and all that good stuff. And then, 
Unfortunately, same thing with the war. So we're kind of, you know, stuck. For me, since I've been retired from um, professional, uh, I guess, combat entertainment for a bit, uh, you know, uh, getting out of the United States and, and, and working that uh, retirement plan is what I was working on. And finally, I've enhanced it and got it real good, fine-tuned it, and living a life in East Asia. For those of you guys that don't know, we have uh, one of my oldest and best friends in the world, Mr. Bob Sapp, who's calling yes. in from Thailand. And uh, man, I mean, I've known Bob uh, over half of my life. Uh, yes. Dude, I met, I met Bob when I was a young rookie, 23 years old in the NFL um, through Mauro De Pasquale, uh, who hooked me up with my first supplement deal. And he's like, hey, I got this guy who's also, uh, you know, for you to talk to down in Baltimore. Bob and I met, we exchanged numbers, and he's like, hey, I'll give you a call. You know how many people say that? And actually, Bob gave me a call and we talked pretty much like every day, every other day for years. And uh, I remember like, you know, Bob was uh, playing for the Ravens, you know, going through that whole deal. And uh, all of a sudden was kind of, I mean, you were doing WWE. I remember we were down in Atlanta. Uh, WCW, like, yep. Yeah, WCW. They were trying to bring him on. And that was lean days, like lean days because those they, they didn't pay jack shit. And I remember That's Bob right. was down in Atlanta and he's like, I'm going to do this tough man competition. I'm fighting the fridge. I'm fighting mm -hmm. Refrigerator Perry. And I was like, kick his ass. And he did. And then next thing you know, that was the nuclear explosion that we know as Bob Sapp. Uh, so it was really uh, a time at uh, which I was like at the top as the NFL, you know, third round draft pick. I was excited and then went down. Why did I go down so bad? Well, unfortunately... I placed my savings of the NFL with a financial, uh, what, what do we say? Definitely no financial uh, no, manager, right? Not a financial no advisor, more like a uh, uh, crook, a thief. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm, that's exactly right. So, yeah. so I ended up losing all of my cash. Okay, zero. So the minute I was um, um, injured out of the NFL, I lost basically all of my money. And it was no due to... Lack of saving it was due to saving it with the wrong person. So no errand insurance, just jumped on in with the financial guy. Thought he was going to lead me to the way of financial independence and freedom. And he let himself off with it. <laughs> Fuck, so, dude. Yes. So, um, you know, unfortunately, I had to kind of start all the way back over, in which I did. I went to WCW. And by the time I got popular in WCW, they went bankrupt. So I had one other opportunity to to engage maybe within my athleticism, and that was against the Tough Man contest against William the Refrigerator Perry. I did uh, do a, the Tough Man against William the Refrigerator Perry. I was victorious. The crowd was throwing beer at me and all this kind of stuff and booing. Well, because it was time, in Chicago. Bob, do you remember yes, it, was it was in Chicago? Right. Yeah. So, and, and Fridge is a, you know, obviously yeah. Fridge is fucking legendary. He's like a, a like a, a fat icon there. And uh, Bob comes in, who's this like young, uh, you know, guy who had got drafted by the Bears and they kind of like pitted him. And it, it, it was, it was pretty awesome. I painted, remember. painted. Yeah, you and he was my guy. idol too. He was my idol in high, in high school and in college. That's why I wore number 72. So I actually beat up my idol, the one I grew up watching. Is that amazing or what? No, nah, dude, I, yeah, I dude, we watched the whole thing go. Uh, I wasn't there in person, but I watched it go down because I was in the middle of uh, recovering from my patellar tendon knee injury. And I'll tell you, like as dark a time as that was, there was one dude that called me every single day, telling me, "We can do this. I believe in you." It's this dude. 
Like I, I was like a, a, a rookie, um, you know, get hurt, come in, started like all of a sudden they like treat you like you're like a leper. And like Bob would call me every day and be like, dude, how's it going? How's the training? You, you got this. You'll do it. And, um, you know, believed in me when I didn't necessarily believe in myself. It's a good teammate. And so even when I was like, remember going through stuff, I'm like, my leg's not working. My leg's not working. And you're like, dude, trust the process. Trust the process. And, um, dude, ended up coming back and starting 16 games that next year. And, uh, dude, I mean, from then on, I mean, I had a small wedding. And uh, the only people that were there were my brothers, obviously my wife and her family, but my mom and dad, Bob, Rick uh, from Starling Gear, and Tony Gonzalez. So, I mean, three most important people in my life in that, in that regard. So, all right. Sure, so, yeah. side, side note. So, Bob goes in, beats up his childhood idol, Refrigerator, <laughs> refrigerator Perry. And then fucking nuclear weapon drops. Yes. I ended up going off to Japan. And in Japan, I fought uh, in, in a competition known as Pride. This competition was first round, 10 minutes. Second round, five minutes. Third round, five minutes. It was mixed martial arts, but it's considered the most brutal because, hey, we just show up and fight. So we don't do anything else, all that other kind of stuff that they do in America with the the, the different type of rules and regulations and, and things like that, weight categories and age categories and, and experience categories. Nope. If you're supposed to fight, you're a fighter, you jump on there and there and show it what you're, you're getting ready to do. So uh, to make maybe sense of what happened is now you have like a Jake Paul or a Logan Paul. They are like the entertaining, the, the combat entertainers here in, in America. Well, I was doing the same thing in Japan, except I was fighting all the top guys in their, competition and of course it, it did sit i did have a little bit of an advantage considering how you know i i do have some athleticism when i went in and being six foot four at that time almost 400 pounds i think i was 380 or 390 375 so dude you were over 400 you remember we when we were out in vegas for fourth of july yes oh absolutely and you and dude uh, to this day dude i've never in my life seen this we were sitting at the pool waiting bob comes strolling out at like 410 what what year or stage in your career was this bob <laughs> man this would have been like i was still was playing in i had just got to no i was still in philadelphia when this happened so this would have been like Oh two, oh three, oh four, somewhere in there. And Bob comes strolling mm-hmm. out with a towel around his shoulders, right? No shirt on, and he's a fucking jacked four hundred. Like the entire fucking <laughs> pool party at, at 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 the Hard Rock just fucking stopped. <laughs> That's right. That was some funny stuff. Yeah, it was fucking man. Crazy. Yes. And, uh, this is what... Okay. So sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. I no, just like it's, to it's, a little. No, tidbits. you're right. It, it was just crazy. It was it was, it was funny as shit. So Bob yeah. strips on, and and what's wild about Pride is uh like. You fight, you fight, fucking put him in. So yeah. Bob was fighting like, I mean, the the, the fights with who, with uh, was it Ernesto Hughes? Um, K one, yeah. I mean, Noguera I mean, was was pride. Don't no pride is Noguera MMA. Okay, okay. K1 yeah, is, so, is yeah. So let's get into a little bit of that. So like, uh, you know, the issue was, you know, Bob was a football player, and Bob like jump in on me. Uh, he was a football player. He be, beats up the fridge. All of a sudden, the Japanese see him, bring him over there, and Bob has no like fight experience like or language or well i told him the story about how you couldn't speak japanese <laughs> and then you had a, a dream in japanese and you could speak japanese which completely blew my fucking mind because uh we were yep. in vegas and these japanese people come over and bob's fucking literally speaking fluent i'm like well you speak japanese You're like i couldn't a week ago you said i had a dream and now i can speak japanese um <laughs> but 
Right. All, right, all right, Bob. Dude, so let, let's get into this. Like, uh, he has no legitimate fight training. So they take you over there, and then what? They take me over there, and it's basically sink or swim at that time, you know. So they say, "Here's so they gave me one fight against some Yamamoto, Yamamoto, or something like this." They and I ended up being victorious. All the fight, all the pro fighters around me, um, Randy Couture, Gary Goodridge, Marie Smith, Josh Barnett, everybody was helping me out, saying, "Well, hey, you know, uh, just do this move, just do this move when you go in here, because we know you have no experience, and we think that you know you may be okay, but let's just see how you do." So I ended up going out there. I, I was victorious, but what was interesting is, is for the television ratings, they ended up getting the television ratings were, um, I think, 30 million people watched it. And then they, they played it again at night, and they had an additional 45, 50 million people. No, no, I'm sorry. They had 10 million people watch the first time, and then they had 30, people, 30 million people watch it uh, at night. So they knew at that time that they kind of had a star. And from there, at that current time, I was packed for five days. They said, Bob, we don't think you're going back home. Let's go ahead and put them in there. And I stayed. I packed for five days in Japan. I stayed for five years. So you have no idea how crazy that is. I literally bought a kitten. And when I came back home to visit my kitten, my kitten was a cat. <laughs> and what's crazy is he didn't buy any like extra clothes. Pounds. He was still wearing the same clothes that he brought for five days. For five That's years. right. No, I'm kidding with you on that one. <laughs> Just close enough. Close enough because I'd get them from the sumo or I would have to um, get them custom. So I'd, get all, I'd keep all my clothes that I would do off of the commercials and things like that. So what ended up happening, and this fast forward to what ended up happening that eight months. In eight months, I took K1 from 300000 to $300 million. I made the cover of Time Magazine in the Wall Street Journal. I currently have the most popular viewed fight in the world at $54 million. So that means just on television, when it aired, 54 million people watched in a single night. That what, obviously what is fight high was rating. That? that was against Akebono. So to, oh, right. to do some type of context, 2010 American Idol finale, 25 million. Bob Sapp, 54 million. So that'll let you know exactly kind of what we're talking about. So it, uh, this was the uh, the... The Yokozuna, right? Uh, Akibono, yes. like the top yes, sumo right. guy. And they put him in. And how much did he weigh? He weighed about 550. And you were weighing 385, 400. Three, yeah. I'm, I'm, at that time, I think I was maybe 350-ish, somewhere in that range. Yeah. Some, so, some, somewhere in there. You can see a photo to, of, of us fighting. Yeah. Did they ask you to sumo or did you all have gloves on? Like, what was the, what was the mission there? Kickbox. 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 Yeah, so I ended Bob up knocking did, uh, out completely uncold, unconscious, and it's what, what real, real famous uncold, unconscious type deal. He went up with his butt in the air. They call it the whale and all this kind of stuff. So, got kind so, of so Bob did uh, MMA. He did boxing. He did kickboxing, and he did professional wrestling. So they did like because uh, they were you know once you were over there in the star, they were just booking you for anything that they could, right? Yes, that's right. So I, I literally would have, you know, I, I would work probably about eighteen hours a day. Because it's a typical Japanese Asian style, which is a, a tremendous amount of work ethic. But compared to nothing, oh my gosh! I mean, amazing. So I'd get up at six. I would maybe even if I would have a fight after the fight, I'd have a TV show. After TV show, I'd have to train for the fight. Then I have to get ready for pro wrestling, and then I'd go to sleep. And it was just so crazy. So a lot of people they they kind of misunderstand. 
because they have no boots on the ground in Japan. So they are reliant upon little rumors and, and all this kind of stuff. Or somebody that barely speaks English to translate. Well, kind of strange because they really have no idea. I was a professional fighter, but I also handled a full on scale of television shows at that time. As far as commercials, television shows, endorsements, you name it, I've done it. So it was very difficult. It's very difficult for people to understand. So they, they get this thing when they're like, well, Bob is not like a real fighter. You know, he's like, okay, yo, you know what? You guys get to just train for your fights and go home and go to sleep. That's not what I had to do at all, at all. And there's, it's, you're, you're, there's no way you can really get any quality type of training in and to do that. Right. Cause there's just, you're just, you're just no there. You're just no able to do that. So, you know, you just got to come in and you got to get what you got and you got to go in there and fight. And the way it works like this, if someone was to mug you or want to mug you at 7-Eleven or in a dark alley, are you going to start stretching and say, oh, I'll be right back? No, right? You're going to just, you're going to fight or flight. And most likely in that situation, you're going to fight, okay? And so that's the way I had to look at it. Just get down and dirty and just go. Later on in my career, as I started winning and being victorious, I, I kind of hit a really strange phenomenon. That phenomenon was nobody wanted to fight me. So my record then was like 10 and 2, 10 and 1 or something, and nobody wanted to fight. Well, that sounds great for egotistical reasons and YouTube and all that good stuff, but uh, how are you going to pay the bills? You're unable to make the club in the tub, right? So if nobody's in there in the ring with you, you ain't making any cash, period. So about this time, K1 was going downhill. And obviously, so was my uh, income stream. K1 would then go bankrupt. Pride would get purchased by UFC. And that would lead me into a life of international celebrityism job. So all the countries would come begging me to go. But, um, you know, there's a lot of misconception about what you see and what you get when you go to these other countries. So the majority of people see some nice graphics on the television screen, on their YouTube or on their, on their monitors. And they think, oh, this is just like UFC in Disneyland. Everything's there. Everything's there. They've got all the medical facilities. They've got all the, the proper licenses. They've got everybody there and everything. It's just like uh, it's just like America, just different, only different. You know, that's kind of how Americans, um, Westerners kind of approach when they look at things overseas. Well, you're absolutely wrong. You've got to think about this. I'm sitting in Japan or perhaps in the United States. I will get an email or a call from a complete, total stranger. He will be speaking a language that we have, that maybe I know, maybe I have no idea. Why? I've traveled so far about 150 plus countries, okay? So I've got no idea sometimes about the language that they speak, sometimes it's spoken English, whatever. And I've got to go into that country and get ready to go, okay? I've got to get ready to go in that country. I've got to go down there with that stranger, get my cash, and fight. Now, if you get hurt, what hospital are you going to? Exactly. What bill are you going to pay? What medicine are you going to take? Do, do you trust that doctor? Do you know? How do you get a second opinion? I mean, you know, all these common sense things that everybody, including there's like a some commentator who, who was interviewing me at the time in, in, in Western in, in America, and he's like, 
and his name is Ariel Arwani. And he's like, you know, um, I'm as much as a fighter as you are. And, 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 and he's, he, they've got no idea. Unfortunately, John, and you can contest this, they, they have no, they have no uh, group or any type of camaraderie to engage with them for after fighting or after combat entertainment. They have none of it. There's no support system. There's no realistic financial system. Obviously, this guy is completely financially illiterate. So let's come, let's have an understanding of something. I am an independent contractor or fighter at that time. You just go around, fight in these organizations. Sometimes they open up in a warehouse with great, great graphics, with tickets for sale. Sometimes they do tickets for sale. Sometimes they don't do tickets for sale. Sometimes they just say, Bob Sapp's showing up. Everybody get in the ring and do a fight if you want to. But since Bob Sapp's here, we're going to do it. And then the next day, I'd have to do it again in another country. So if I got hurt, I'd have to delay my, um, I would have to delay my uh, process. I would have to delay the next fight, which they usually were advertising as I was doing the same fight. So like when I was in Hungary and Austria, they were advertising the fights. I had to fight Friday and Saturday. So I could not afford to get an injury on Friday so that I could still fight on Saturday, right? So a lot of people have no understanding of exactly how that works. So I have a system to where it's very simple. It was, uh, it was developed. I, I developed it, and it was called, um, I'm not going to take any injuries when I'm out here getting blasted and beat up. The, and, and it was kind of like the, the promoters would say, okay, I'd say, hey, listen, if I have to train for the fight, then because this is my business, just like if you were to buy a Mercedes, you know, with, with $5 in your, in your, in your you know, well, how, how, let's be realistic. If you had like $5,000, you're not going to get the, the C plus Mercedes or whatever. Right. You know? So what makes these guys think that they're going to get the top notch Bob risk your brain and risk your injury for, you know, 40 grand. That's just not going to happen. So I established that I had that communication with them. They were more than happy to have their, everybody's more than happy to just have me show up because in those countries, they're just wanting to have somebody famous just promoted anyway, because the Westerners, over there, just like the commentator who interviewed me, they do absolutely no research on anything. Okay, none. So once they beat me up, then it's like, hey, they just love to look at Bob Sapp taking dives, look at Bob Sapp uh, fighting, Bob Sapp, Bob Sapp, Bob Sapp. And they say, Bob, this is perfect because we have so many great fighters over here, like from our Pride days, from our K-1 days. And these these people in, 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 in your Western society in America, they know even they never even speak of them. Never. They only talk about you. No matter what you do, they keep talking about you. And I'm laughing because I say, um, yeah, it's kind of strange because I've only fought in America four times. Yeah. Four times. In Can Vegas, and I was times. there. Yep, that's right. Yep. Yeah, remember that? Yeah, it was badass, dude. Yes. In, in, um, yeah, that was great. So that you were there, I think, against when I went against Tommy Glanville. Is that right? Yep. Yeah, yeah, it was in Vegas. And, dude, I, I, had, uh, I mean, obviously, I know Bob this way. And all of a sudden he's like, Hey, I'm fighting. Like, dude, we also had another bitch in time. You remember when you, uh, when we went to the premiere of Electra and we had dinner with the yes. cast and Bob was like, move, move, move. And like sat down. But, uh, uh, so we show up to go to the fight and he's like, dude, I'm fighting in Vegas. I don't fight in America. So I, I bring my brother. I think Mofetta came with us too. And, uh, you know, Mofetta's kid plays professional baseball now. Nice. Yeah. So, uh, so we all roll to Vegas and we, we meet up with Bob and, um, dude, like it, we're walking through the hotel and like, there's some Japanese tourists, like maybe like fifth, like get off this bus and Bob like stops 
And he's like, dude, they can't see me. And I'm like, why? He's like, dude, it's going to go crazy. And we're like, shut the fuck up. You know, because like we didn't know. All of a sudden, these people see him and it's like, boobs, ah! And they fucking, <laughs> oh, like these people, <laughs> like something out of a movie, you know, like, yes. with all, all the cameras clicking. They're like screaming. Yep. Women are fainting. Dudes are fainting. They're crying. <laughs> like it was like. Yep. It was like the reincarnation of Buddha was right in front of them. And, and like, I, I, like, we just stopped and we were like, oh my God, we're like, I didn't know if I should like take a picture, uh, run. Uh, like, I was like, holy shit, dude. Like, this, and he's like, this is how it is everywhere. And I'm like, holy fuck. So I remember we went to the fight and, uh, dude, it, it was pretty awesome at the fight. Like, uh, Bob's got his whole beast, um, like, motif, persona. like his persona of the beast. And uh, it's pretty cool, dude. Like, come out like the the white shorts and the fucking you yeah. know, like it, it was Roll. it was pretty good. Bob, yeah. did they give you that nickname, or was that that your idea? I got that w- right from the when I did the the, the tough man, and it was because I kind of came in and was and they were interviewing me, and they they started saying, "Well, hey, what are you like?" And I was like, "Well, you know, I like to go home and play with my cats, and sometimes you know, I'll play some video games, and I like to read." And they're like, "Okay, man, that's so boring." <laughs> Can you do anything else? And I was like, they said, you got to do something. Hey, do, 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 do the wrestling thing. Do the wrestling thing. I said, well, I'm going to take the fridge and I'm going to take them right back and I'm going to ship them back to mama. That's right. I'm going to put them back because the warranty has expired on the fridge. It's expired long ago. <laughs> That's right. I'm going to ship them back to mama. And I'm not talking about Maytag. I'm talking about my tag. And it's going to happen now. We didn't wait till May. It's going to happen tomorrow. <laughs> so I would say something like this, you know, and... It was, it was, uh, they said, that's it. Do that. And that show for that tough man hit number one. Everybody yeah. wanted, was watching that show. Everybody called me to watch that show and I was excited. So I actually called everybody to watch that show. Okay. Yeah. They dude, all, I, I was all sitting my in my apartment. family gathered around the show. Yeah. Yeah, dude, and I, I was sitting in Philadelphia in my apartment. I remember I got like, uh, uh, went down to the local corner, corner, got some stuff, had some beers. And like the whole thing, and it was, you know, I'm watching on my fucking shitty TV. And uh, dude, it I, I remember they had you like sitting on stools, and I remember they like pop up and the fridge tried to come out and give you some like like uh E Honda. You remember from like Mike Tyson punch yeah. out? You remember like the E Honda where it was like oh. Yep. And yep. uh dude, fucking Bob just started like not even punching him. You were like dropping fucking like Windmill. side hammer fists, like just these huge fists, dude, and just fucking the guy was so Wind- out of shape. He fucking collapsed. It was fucking awesome. <laughs> I went crazy. It was great. And then Lawrence Taylor gets on the screen and says, Bob Sapp, you're a nobody today and you're going to be a nobody tomorrow. Said that in front of national TV. Yep. Everybody called over there. Remember that John? They were like, man, that's messed up, man. That was your big moment. He messed it up. Da, 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 da. Uh, I was like, ah. Uh, LT was high on coke. I mean, you know, he just yeah. coked hey, out of his mind. Hey, it must have been because right after that, he sure didn't end up getting into trouble. So, yeah. you know, unfortunately, no, I think he got in trouble that night. I, I think he got in trouble that night leaving that thing. I'm, I'm, I yeah. can't remember. He, did, 100%. He, did, he, he later would get in trouble. That's right. Yeah. He later would get in big trouble. Yeah. And you remember he was on like, uh, they were trying to get him on all these movies and make him an action star. You don't remember this? Like, LT? Yeah. Yeah. He was in Any Given Sunday. Yeah. No, but they, that, well, that was when he was playing himself. Right. But like at that time, like they oh, like before, then, yeah, no, they know. they were trying to like make him an action star, and then he got in trouble with like a bunch of girls and maybe some young underage girls with cocaine and some shit, and that shit just went away. Now he'd be a fucking bigger star, but back then they kind of frowned upon that shit a little. I mean, not frowning yep. on doing it, frowning on getting caught. Right. Yeah. Right. 
So, uh, like Bob, like uh, I'd love to discuss the training uh, a little bit. You know, I mean, obviously, we're a uh, you know strength conditioning podcast by category, but really, it's about um, having you know amazing conversations with fucking larger than life people like yourself. Um, but like within the training, like uh, you played football at UW. So we, you know, obviously I played at Cal, which we've been Pac-10 back in the day. Now it's Pac-12. But like, mm-hmm. you know, your training and I know uh, the guys that uh, played with you at University of Washington talked about, you know, your legendary strength. And then the fact, you know, you got to go to the NFL in the training, um, you know, how big of a change? I mean, you, you'd already had this work ethic. But like when the change when you went to Japan and all of a sudden I remember you were calling me and talking about like shit, dude, these guys train like all day. It's like a 10 to 12, 14 hour mm-hmm. training deal. And I remember they were uh, rolling your shins with baseball bats and hitting you and trying to like yep. toughen up and like, you know, and your knuckles. I remember when I saw him. So I remember shaking Bob's hand. And then when I saw him after he'd come to do all the fighting stuff, his hands oh, effectively man. like um, like encased themselves in bone. You know, look at his knuckles. Right yeah. It, it like it looked I was like what the fuck is that? And you're like, that's the money maker. That's where I knock those motherfuckers <laughs> out. So like, let's get in yep. and discuss a little bit of the training. And then the other one I want to talk about is, uh, when, when, uh, that fucker weighted his glove and broke your orbital. If you want, if you don't mind talking about oh, that. Oh, oh yeah. But we, we you know, I, I don't even know we can, can do that with, but yeah, we can discuss a little bit. Hey John, that's pretty good. I, I'm surprised you. Yeah. You're one of the only few people to even, well, of course, cause you know me pick up on that. Well, fuck, that's dude, dude, we've talked about all this shit for years. And unlike yeah. you, my memory is still pretty good, you fucking mush brain. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's really sharp because no people even know. So, I mean, so well, dude, John I mean, just, just unveiled something there that kind of uh, we've always. So let me go backtrack. So one okay. thing that I never do 100 percent is tell all the what we say, the, 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 the secret sauce or the juices to whatever. So I never tell anybody's personal business for what goes on. Um, whether they're my celebrity friends or whether they are, you know, whether it's, it's an organization. So now that that organization is now defunct and all of that stuff. So, I mean, you know, there there are some things like what John says to where he's kind of more aware and in tune that, OK, put it like this. The celebrities and athletes are usually more in tune to the truth than the rumors. And we just let the rumors go. So John was just spoke speaking of one of these rumors that he was kind of aware of. That he liked to kind of bring up, and, I, and I'm I'm fine with, with talking about it. So, um, so uh, it's basically where I was fighting Mirko Krokop. Mirko Krokop was a K1 fighter, okay, Fucking badass, badass K1 fighter. Yeah. Now we ended up fighting. There was uh, I ended up substating a unique fracture to my orbital on the. Uh, I'm, I'm, I have that so. I ended up substating uh, injury during that uh, match. And you can kind of see it. It's actually quite famous. Uh, they put it all in the manga with me laying down, holding my my eye and all this kind of stuff. And some some people have written there and said, Bob is crying. Look at this big, big crybaby in the ring. First of all, I was no crying, but I assure you, I was inside with we can't, dealt with my eyesight. <laughs> right? I mean, what? Yeah, I'm going to almost cry if I lose my eyeball. Yes. Yeah. We'll well, I mean, that. if you I shatter your orbital, that, but I was which is this bone, if you shatter yes. your orbital, your fucking eye doesn't have a right. socket to sit in. Yeah. Blew it out. Bloom. Blew it out. Uh, very unusual. Um, that, so John is speaking of, um, why is it that Mirko was no longer with K1 after that? That's what he's saying. So he's, he's probably the only one to pick up after that. He was with K1. How come all of a sudden he came to Pride after that? 
Well, there. Uh, all I will say is that there were some funny things that happened on the inspection of the gloves. So some of these gloves, some some gloves, uh, I was no there. So I'm just going to say that it was discovered that some of these gloves were tampered with. Now that can happen, and, and they were placed with uh, like a, a plaster of Paris paste or something like that. Okay, so happens. I'll, I'll just tell you, you know I watched and, the fight. Just in Bob's defense, I watched the fight. Dude comes out and throws a punch that Bob has had thrown at him a million times. And that dude does, he's not 400 pounds. I mean, Krokop's a fucking big, strong dude, and he throws some bombs. Hits Bob with a pretty fucking routine punch, right? Bob even kind of fucking blocked it and fucking hits his orbital and fucking shatters his orbital. And the minute I saw it, I was like, fucking that weight's gloved. Or he's got something in there. There's fucking no way that that dude shatters your orbital on that punch. And then he disappears. You know, but, but that's an athlete. You're a pro athlete understanding. You got to understand the people who look at that. Are entertainers. They've got oh, no understanding of that. Bob, nor, do they look the at, nor do they look at like, oh, why did he go to what to what? So they don't even look at common sense. That's normal. Bob, well, I mean, think the problem is, is so uh, as big a star as Bob is, for every person who fucking like you know throws their panties on stage when Bob's in, in there, there's two people that fucking hate Bob. And yep. it's it's because, you know, here's this, like, larger-than-life character. I mean, like, you know, say what you want about Jake Paul and his brother. I mean, they're kind of fucking idiots. In, but, I mean, dude, you can't deny the, what they're doing in terms of, value. Like, entertainment yeah. value and running the game. I mean, they've completely fucking pumped life back into professional boxing. I mean, right. like, you know. like and in, general, and in general, for everybody to talk to, yeah. I just love it. So I will never, uh, you will never hear me calling those guys out because they're just knowing my 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 mm-hmm. uh age range and, and category and all of that stuff so i'm not gonna be like these older guys like you know i guess butterbean just got through saying he's like hey i'm 55 and when i turn 56 can i fight you uh, and i'm like dude you guys this sounds terrible you know yeah. let these young guys go off and yeah. do what they want let us older guys just watch and enjoy them why are we telling talking about we're gonna fight a 25 year old well and and like uh um you know and that's what uh uh part of this bob was texting me some of the videos that they put together where, uh, you know, originally when Tyson was going to make his comeback, uh, they reached out to Bob and actually Bob's like, dude, I'm going to fight Tyson. We're going to do it in Vegas. Or we're going to do it in Dubai, whatever. You're fucking coming. And I'm like, dude, believe me, I'll, we'll fucking, I'll, I'll roll the family, my brothers, we'll, we'll roll fucking deep wherever you're going to go. And, yep. uh, uh, and so then all of a sudden it just kind of like, you know, Tyson's people are, what's the right word, dude? Circumvented. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, all of a sudden, like weird shit gone on, and next thing you know, he's fucking fighting Roy Jones Jr., who, like, that's the hard thing with some of these older, like, like Tyson got in shape. Like seeing Roy Jones come out and remembering who Roy Jones was was extremely hard to watch. Okay, so yes, that's, that's right, and and but, you know, unfortunately, speaking of the Tyson thing, so that's one thing that I'm doing right now. So I am going back and and uh, I am telling everyone about what took place with with that Tyson situation. And the bottom line is, is he's afraid to fight me period. Um, so it was all good until he saw the picture of me, you know, and then he chickens out and then his, well, his, well, shit, his, he uh, has Joe Rogan on there being like, dude, this guy's a fucking completely different human and fucking Tyson's over there smoking. Like, Holy shit, this guy's going to kill me. Uh, Charles, I'll send you that clip. We can cut well, it into the, into yeah, the deal. Bob, I did also see a clip of you in the ring calling out Tyson. You're going to put the fuse out. Well, that was yes. actually at the uh, the wrestling Vegas. deal, yeah, in Vegas. Oh, Vegas. okay. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know when. And that was. and and then what's a wild thing is is you didn't know he was going to jump in the ring and and do that, nope. did you? 
K one. Nope. And it was it was the K one when I fought chemo. And it was it was when I came over and I did the Jimmy Jimmy Kimmel show. I did the Jay Leno show. I did the t- Today Show. We did a real big big appeal, big like campaign in America. And that's when Tyson showed up. We had a lot a lot of celebrities were there. We had Muhammad Ali, Michael Jordan, Dr. Dre. We had that was just a star studded uh, uh, big uh, event there that came there. And Mike Tyson happened to be one of the individuals there to watch me fight during that time. And it was absolutely amazing. It was great. He got in the ring and he said, you know, and I said, hey, listen, you mess with me. They may call you Kid Dynamite. You mess with me, I'll put your fuse out. So he later would go on to sign with K1 to come to fight me. Unfortunately, Japan was being histrionical. So they just decided to say, is that even a word histrionical? But if it isn't, there should be one. So they just decided to look back on his history and say, because of the things that you've done in the past, you're no longer invited over here because mm. of criminal record kind of stuff. And that kind of put a damper in it. However, Come, come full circle, come in the 19, uh, uh, I guess in the 2021 or 2019, 2019, 2020. Yeah, this um, was right before lockdown, uh, this whole yeah, thing. I, I, mean, I remember you called you know, me I got lockdown. him out of retirement. I actually got him out to fight. Got him out to fight, offered him the money, got him the money, got him the contract, got him everything. And it's just, you know, the, the thing is when these professional athletes that call me out, whether it's 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 a Mike Tyson, Shaquille O'Neal, Evander Holyfield, uh, Tyson Fury, who else? Uh, Roy Jones Jr., all these guys that call me out, they only do so when they see me on the beast image. But then when they when I get out of it and they want to compare me to their age, compare me to them, because I still stay in shape, they get out of there quicker than heck. And you cannot blame them because they will tell you, Bob has no damage on his body. If he was sick and died, he's got no damage on his body. We have damage. He is this much older, still has his athleticism for his age, is still big and strong. For sure, he's going to knock us out and destroy us. Of course, they know that. Tyson knows that. And I just want to make sure that the public and everybody is aware of it because he's been controlling the narrative over here between him and, I'm going to have to say, unfortunately, Joe Rogan, because nobody has spoken with me and said, what happened? Instead, they let Mike Tyson say, oh, well, you know, I don't know what happened. Um, uh, I don't know. Oh, I can tell you exactly what happened. And I'm going to tell everybody what happened. And that's what I'm doing now. So you'll see it. We're going to come. I'm coming through and I'm telling everybody exactly what happened with him. And and he's not going to be able to deny it because it's the truth. And I have all the emails, all the audio messages, all the text messages, all the identification points. I have it all. So I'm the one. Did you know Roy Jones Jr. was to fight me in 2016? That's where the Roy Jones Jr. came from to fight Mike Tyson. Did you know that? I actually, I'm the one with the contract. So all of that stuff that you see is the stuff that I have set up, period. And it was circumvented and stolen by his brother-in-law, Azeem Spencer, who decided to act like that's all his idea. So we'll get into it. I'll show it to you a little bit later on as we go into it. Isn't Roy like a light, uh, isn't he like a light heavy, like a 185? I think Roy it. Jr. is, and that's one of the reasons why. I, hey, listen, what I told him to see him, I said, listen, if you guys are going to call it and in, 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 in start delaying and playing games, like you're too light to fight, too thin to win, like Roy Jones Jr. did, yeah. then you can forget it. And he's like, oh, Roy Jones Jr.? Yeah, 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 I was scheduled to fight him. And that's where all that Roy Jones Jr. came from. Nothing, and listen, there's nothing even on the table, and there's nothing for Tyson besides fighting me. The, the fight I fought with Roy Jones was supposed to be with Bob Sapp. Oh, really? You mess with me, I'll put your fuse out. I want him. But you know, Ethan Fedor wouldn't fight Bob Sapp? Yeah. In his prime, he's like, Smart. get the fuck out of yeah. here. I said, I'll fight him.
And whether he wants to admit it, he wants to keep shopping it around, want to keep playing it, whatever. But he also knows that. And if you can see it, there's an article that came out where Tyson thought that it was going to come out that he was going to fight me. Sign the contract, big boy. Sign the contract. And that about how much money he was offered. So he starts saying, well, uh, no matter how much money it is, it's no longer fun because I'm looking kind of smaller and weaker. And that's because he saw my photo and he's telling you guys, if you bring him up, you bring me up, it's not going to matter what kind of money it is because he's weaker and I'm bigger and stronger. I like little Michael. And he said that in an article for you guys. And you guys have no idea why he's saying it, but I know why he's saying it. And John knows why he's saying it. Okay. But we just let it go being professional. Da, 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 da. But now, now after he keeps talking about me and keeps dropping my name down, I feel that that gives me some, some right to respond. Why didn't the fight happen? I don't know. That's business. That would have been beautiful. Part of the issue, and, um, you know, Joe Rogan obviously has got the biggest podcast on the fucking universe, right? I mean, they get something like 11 million downloads. So Joe Rogan goes on there, and he has repeat. I mean, he's had a Tyson on a ton. Uh, he's, he's similar to, I mean, he's obviously older than us, but uh, he's in the similar kind of, dude, like, like, like you, man. I remember Tyson in his prime, and I remember thinking, like, wanting to cut a slit in the towel and, like, you know, like, not wearing socks on, on boxing shoes. Right. Like, like, I mean, Tyson was as bad a motherfucker has ever been. And when he went in there, those are the original fights. Like when Customato was in this corner, dude was fucking vicious. And so Rogan still remembers that version of Tyson. And like, he yeah. has him on and he's, you know, he is, uh, you know, part of like, you know, I, I mean, not to say that Joe does it, but uh, I don't know him, but like just seeing like, you know, having watched those podcasts, like there's a lot of hero worship in there and, and there should be fucking Tyson, probably one of the baddest heavyweights to ever walk the yes. planet. So the issue comes down to, you know, he, he goes on there and he talks about, it and people believe what Joe Rogan has to say and rightly so. So, you know, he puts him out there and, and uh, it was interesting, the clips that you sent me because uh, he's also said, dude, you, you know, Bob Sapp's one of the baddest fucking dudes on the planet. I mean, and here's the deal. Right. You fucking proved it. Uh, like, you know, there's all these people like this. I mean, how many fights did you ended up doing in terms of like uh, total career? Well over 100. I don't even count anymore. Well over 100 plus commercials. Well over 100 plus uh, uh, pro wrestling matches. Well over 100 plus TV shows. Well over 100 plus fights, kickboxing, and MMA. And I've traveled over 100 plus countries, okay? I had to also design my own retirement program. And, I, and, and, and first of all, I will say this. Kudos to the NFL and college for teaching me about sport. And for teaching John and all of us about sport. Because one of the things when you go to this NFL, when you get drafted, you have to go to this big seminar. The and this seminar, symposium. yep, the symposium that tells you, and they give you, they tell you about how basically once you're in the NFL family, you're always going to be in the NFL family, and about how they're going to give you this treatment and care and all this kind of stuff for afterwards. But they do tell you about you need to surround yourself with nice professional athletes that are going to do something with themselves after NFL. Okay. And you really do need to set that up. You need to set up that that program to do it because once you get out of professional athletics, it is a nightmare to figure out what the heck you're going to do. So you need somebody that you're going to you're going to grasp onto, and that's what John was for me, and I feel that I was that for him, and and as well as the, some of these other guys. But let me tell you something. Today, for combat entertainment, when you talk about Bellator or UFC or any of these things, there's none of that. Okay, so they're just walking out there. They have no financial literacy. These most fighters and athletes are financially illiterate and technologically ignorant. 
Bob, the word I like to use is unsophisticated. So a lot of these guys are just unsophisticated in terms of business, um, yes. you know, finance, uh, you know, branding. I mean, they're just very unsophisticated. And the UFC and these these groups do a great job of like basically going in and like siphoning off all of that stuff and then like using it. And those guys are just really unsophisticated in how to create and grow their own brands. I mean, Conor McGregor's done an incredible job. Uh, you know, building his own brand. I mean, you know, started a booze company. But, but, this. That, but I mean, Seth limits you. Slim yeah, no, I mean, he's, he's the one. I mean, yep. he's the one. Nobody else has been able to market. Oh, I mean, all this cussing, talking about somebody else's, what? His wife, people's wives and girlfriends and, and, and talking about what, what race and religion, all that kind of stuff. See, none of that's allowed in sport. So yeah. you, you don't even get a chance to even think about doing that. Okay. Well, well, so I don't. I mean, get... he he's trying to take the Mayweather, uh, Muhammad Ali. Well, Muhammad Ali was so eloquent in his shit talking. It's still the best. If you go back and listen to his stuff, it was fucking great. So he's taken this kind of money may kind of approach to it. You know, wearing fur coats and talking all the shit, and you know, the Tyson. I'm going to eat his children. I want to like rip his heart out. Like trying to go on to that stuff. And uh, you know, I think the problem is is that with McGregor, you have a very finite window to cash in on that, and he did. The problem is, I don't think he's want to fight in a couple of years. And, uh, you know, last one I saw, he got his fucking leg shattered. So, I mean, like, does he have the moxie? Like, you can't keep talking shit like that unless you go in and you fucking but, win. But I don't think, you know, at this point, you know, financially he's doing fantastic. Health-wise, he's doing fantastic. I don't think it, that, you know, maybe you guys are kind of looking more at it more than he is. You know what I mean? I don't think he's really good. You know, I would... I'm just going to leave it at that. So, you know, <laughs> so, 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 so you know. Bob, dude, uh, I, I want to take it a step back. Cause I've always, I know we've talked about it, but it's super fascinating to me. Like, like when you got out there and you know, there were other professional fighters there, like, how did you like, like, what was the training? Like, like how fucking brutal was it? And more importantly, like, how did they get you up to speed so fast? Well, I tell you, um, one thing that I, that I did is they just basically put it, put a big bag, a big, uh, punching bag in in the gym and i had to hit that for like four four hours and then they brought in other professional fighters that would come in there and just beat the shit out of me i mean let, let, let's put it bluntly so they just start beating me up until i basically started fighting back and i did so in a, in a in a big way and that ended up uh you know letting them say that i was ready to go and then then after that i had to be ready to go for Japanese school, and then I had to be ready to go for doing commercials, and I had to be ready to go for pro wrestling, and I had to be ready to go in this prefecture. And whoo, boy! It, it, then this TV show—I'm telling you—it would it was nonstop. So that's well, how they got me did ready. They prep you? And I'm, I was just I'm, going to that ring, and it, it was literally a lot of on-the-job learning. Okay, a lot of on-the-spot learning. Did they prep you in any way? I mean, obviously they sent you in and uh, you know put you in like a fight academy and and had you you yep. know that. Did they Trainers, uh, yep. give you any training or any like uh, um, support or just really any guidance when you got out, or was that just Bob Sapp being the fucking massive personality that you are, just you being you? I did the personality stuff. They did teach me some of the, the fighting. I did have some trainers. I did bring some people over to the states, and we had to stay together. And towards the end of my career, it just started getting it just started getting to me. And I can explain to you why it started getting to me, and I know exactly why because of the symposium for the NFL. I wrote my emergency plan that I recently cracked open there. And I think John, you already know that I recently cracked open that emergency folder. So for my retirement there, I had to do that one. So we can talk about that later, but um, yeah, I ended up cracking that bad boy open. And let me tell you, see, I almost lost my track of thought. Cause every time I think about cracking that open, it just brings me to so many memories. But um, 
I'll tell you, that's uh, one of the things that is definitely needed is that, uh, that, uh, that emergency kit. So I cracked mine open and I basically saved it. So when I'm there fighting, I knew that that was something that I had to go back to always. And, and that was just to enact the, the retirement plan. And, and going back to what John was saying, you know, why would, why is uh, like, I always like it because I just recently saw it again, the Ariel Orwani when he's talking about it. Why is that such a big deal that I'm setting up my retirement plan and I'm in other countries and they don't even know what's going on. They have no idea if it's a pro wrestling match or MMA match. They don't even go there and they want me to, so they, they wanted me to no set up my retirement program, no set up my, 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 my income stream and no travel around the world. So let's, let me, let's take a look at that and fast forward. If I was basically a lemming, like everybody else over there that just listens, that, that follows that poor, poor words of wisdom, or in that time, I guess no words of wisdom, it's actually advice. It's actually adding something that's terrible advice. So Ariel said, he no wants you to travel around the world to see the world like I was doing. Well, guess what? Since COVID hit in the war, you got your wish. Nobody's traveling like that ever again. Okay, so I ended up traveling to 150 countries and I did so cheaply and efficiently and free of charge. So I got all of that done. Obviously, I did it all. I did the United States doing NFL and college, right? So I got that done too. The United States, I got that taken care of. Now I've got the rest of the world taken care of. You see what I'm saying? So I got that one. And then all those fights that I guess that they're saying I take and dive to, I saved that money all the way through and used frequent flyer miles to fly everywhere else and got paid doubly on that. So you can figure that one out, invested all of that. And now I currently live completely 100% debt free on a luxury estate with full staff means I have a chef, maid, and a driver, and I relax 24-7. So currently, I'm talking to you at six foot five, 300, and I'm busted about 317, 320 pounds. I've got roughly about 7% body fat. I can wake up, train, do exactly what I want, and I train calisthenics, weighted calisthenics, weighted yoga, and meditation. I don't lift anything over my body weight and 30 pounds. And, and, and John, you've seen what I look like, right? So, you know, it's, well, first of all, you're full of shit. You're not six, five. He's only six, four. He's way shorter than me. <laughs> That's the one thing I got on him. <laughs> so, so well, there we go. So, so. so, yeah, no, no, I know we, we were conversing. Bob was texting me some pictures. So now, I mean, you know, uh, I mean, you obviously banged a lot of weights, but like there was a point like after you retired from the NFL, you got in the fighting, you didn't really touch the weights anymore. It was just all no. purely fight training. That's right. Exactly. So I, I, I really had to, there's, there's only so much. See, the thing that you have to understand that this symposium teaches you and that a lot of these young guys have no idea. There's a difference. There, there's different hats. There's a hat that you wear out in the public because you're, so that you're no longer a professional athlete. But when you are a professional athlete or when you have been a professional athlete, the hat that you will wear will always be there. If I get in trouble or if John gets in trouble, the NFL will be mentioned. His college will be mentioned. Okay? So he will always be known as a professional athlete. Yeah, you'll so end up on the ESPN ticker. Yep. 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 So with that, we have to be cautious. We have to be careful. We have to always be aware. S A. We have to be situation aware. 
that's a lot of things that the symposium teaches that they have that they have none of this in combat entertainment. And the reason why I'm bringing this up, John, is because I already wrote the the NFL PPA and the Players Union and all this. I've already wrote the NFL. I said, you know, that symposium. How come you know they canceled it? They don't do it anymore. You know why? Whoa, really? I know. Yeah. You know, okay. Tell yeah, me. yeah. Well, uh, your boy Chris Carter got up and they asked him to speak. And he got up there and told all the young guys, hey, man, when you go out, shit's going to go down. You need to make sure that uh, you got a dude in your posse, like in your crew, that's the fall guy that you've already paid ahead of time. Where if something goes south and you're involved, he'll take the take the blame for you. And he said that. I mean, dude, like you and I have heard this narrative before, but never in front of all. And, and so th- this is a really interesting thing, dude. And like this is something, too, that I wanted to get into. Um you come from the same school I do where like the, uh, like as professional athlete, like you said, you wear many hats and you have to be very conscious of your image at all times. So like, I really, uh, like the, the whole idea of social media and especially like, um, people with these V logs on, on YouTube where like, you know, there's all this honesty and they want to see the behind and, you know, they're in there, they're sharing their most like intimate, like yes. moments of their life. Stupid. Like, well, no, but I mean, that goes against everything that we were taught and like, and, yep. and as a 10 year NFL player, like it, it, that's why like on my social, it's, it, it's super vanilla. Like I'll post some pictures of this. Like I don't show like, you know, like Kids. I see, like, like we were, uh, you know, like, uh, you know, like I'll see Mike Rashid and Simon Panda. Cause I follow Mikey. As you guys know, Mike Rashid took cross a football seminar back in the day. So she and I are friends, but it's like him and Simon Panda stand in front of Lamborghinis. Like, Hey, we're going to go cruise these. Like for us, that is extremely like hard to, to wrap my head around because, yep. uh, you know, uh, being a professional football player and like, you know, showing all this is extremely like, um, it, dangerous. It's, it's dangerous and it's yeah. opening yourself up. And so like, even like, you know, like Bob's got a, has sent me dope pictures of his house and like, you know, people would be like, Oh, you got to post that. Fuck. No, I would never post that. And Bob wouldn't post that. I mean, we live nope. in an amazing fucking place here in Texas and there's a lot of cool shit, but like, you know, it's just rare that you're going to see us be like, oh, floss, you know, and like just kind of showing out. And it's, it, you know, like the uh, that symposium and the way the NFL was very guarded. So, like, it's kind of interesting now to see this kind of change and this like where now these, you know, there's uh, some NFL players that have a, a podcast on Barstool, like Bussin' with the Boys. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I like saw some clips of it. I mean, those dudes are like... <laughs> Like those guys are showing a life uh, that, uh, you know, and giving people a shot from the inside. And I'm laughing, thinking uh, these guys are just bad, uh, you know, ripoffs of Jared Allen, Boomer, Tony and and the crew of guys that I ran with for a long, long time. Like, man, like, you know, there was a whole kind of veil where you got to protect your image. And I feel like that's really come taken down with social media. And so, like I know for Bob, Bob just started a social uh, Instagram account and it was hilarious because he <laughs> sent it to me. And I like, I went back and tagged him in some stuff. I mean, you know, my very first Instagram post is from my wedding. It was like me and the boys, like right before the wedding, we were in the bar with uh, my two brothers, uh, Judge Derbatis, who married us, um, you know, Rick and then Bob, and we're all hanging out. And it was actually my first Instagram post. And and I, I was even like a little weird posting that because I'm like, oh shit, this isn't my wedding. And, you know, I didn't tag anybody because I was kind of a little, you know, taken back. But now seeing how honest people are, like the shit that people sk- like share, like honest people appear. Well, no, I'm okay. Well, I don't know if it's honest or That's whatever, right. but the depth at which people are sharing to me goes against That's- everything that like, as a, like within the NFL, within the symposium, like the entire maturation process of a 10 year NFL vet and how we were talked to 
about protecting our image, protecting the shield, protecting the brand, presenting yourself in this light. And then you got retirement the package. Yep. Yeah. Like, I mean, you know, and, and like, you know, there's a, um, you know, I mean, shit, like a bunch of bullshit. Like, you know, I all of a sudden after fucking hundreds of fucking drug tests, you know, I get tested three times in five weeks and the third and the second test comes back positive for a drug, one that I had never taken, didn't even know and was a byproduct of another drug. And they fucking suspend me and then forever I'm labeled with this bullshit. And, uh, it, you know, it was complete fucking horseshit. And I fought the NFL on it. And you know what? It's like, that's the narrative. And that's what's on my Wikipedia page. And that's what people are going to remember. They don't remember the fact that fucking there were hundreds of other drug tests that were fucking, uh, you know, uh, negative. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, were never an issue and start fucking, you know, for 10 years in the NFL and the whole deal and have one fucking deal where you're like, even where the FDA comes in is like, oh, yeah, no, that uh, that's approved in cattle without the parent drug this. And they write it and they still fucking suspended me. So, I mean, you know, there's if, some bullshit. There, there. There's a lack of understanding at that time. Now there's more understanding. Yeah. Um, there's, there's more science. There's a totally different, there's a totally different stuff going on than when we were born, John. I mean, it's so crazy. The stuff that, that we were blasted for that everybody thinks that we're, it's the funniest thing. Cause now it's wow. Amazing. So, you dude, know, like I was, I got contracted when we were doing our Super Bowl run in Philly. I got contracted to – there was a, a book by a guy named Jerry Kramer that wrote a book about uh, the Green Bay Packers going to the Super Bowl. I got contracted when we were like um, in that last year to write that book and or to write a, a, a rebooted version of that. And I was going to write the book about the whole season and going to the Super Bowl and the whole deal. And uh, the Eagles totally cock-blocked me on it and told me I couldn't do it um, because we needed their sign-off on the, on the likeness and all that. We don't want that that form of inside information. We don't want a player to write that. And uh, it was, uh, you know, I mean, shit, dude. Like now, it's like I got a fucking, you know, I got cameras following me. So it's a really interesting change. Whereas I think the NFL was so guarded with their image, and now they've realized, like, ah, oh, fuck, we can't stop this, so we have to embrace it. You know, fuck, I, I remember uh, Larry Johnson. Um, you know, wasn't getting the ball right because we were fucking throwing the ball there. They were stacking the box. He goes in at halftime and tweets, and all of a sudden somebody from the front office came down and fucking yanked him out. And I'm like, what the fuck? We're about to run out, and this fucking guy yanks Larry Johnson. And um, they were like, dude, he tweeted something. I'm like, a what? What's a tweet? And it was the first time I heard of Twitter was this bullshit. And I'm like, so what? wait a minute. We're getting ready to go out. This guy's on his fucking phone tweeting to a bunch of people. Like, that shit blew my fucking mind. And I was like, the NFL will never be the same. And it's just a, a, a completely different mindset. Whereas I see this stuff, and uh, to quote my my kids who use this word a hundred times a day, cringe. They were like, the whole thing is so cringy to me. Where I'm like, ah, fuck. But you know what? Like people want access, and these guys are looking at us. They're building their brands and this, and you know, what am I going to do after football? You know, those guys on busting with the boys. All of a sudden, like they're not NFL players now. They still got a big podcast. They probably are already making money. So it's like, fuck it. But you know, they're basically doing what Jared Allen did much better for years in in private. Well, I mean, it was on the reporters back then, the Skip Bayless, the Bob Ryans that would get to know the teams and then yeah. write about them. Uh, the, now the uh, players um, are doing it themselves. Yeah, it was uh, Mike Silver and um, who was the other guy from SI. Um, he, he wrote that article about me when he, he hit me on the ephedrine. <laughs> you remember that when they banned ephedrine after uh, Corey, um, uh, Corey Stringer died? Because, dude, yep. they fucking basically, it was 100 plus degrees, they were running his ass, and he was severely out of shape, and they didn't give him any water, and then they blamed it, you know. Oh, water is weakness. That was yeah. so brutal, those, those, pla was that, was that, pla that was the Chicago Bears, but the, no, that was the one, Minnesota Vikings. Minute, 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 something. 
yeah, Minnesota, Minnesota, but Minnetonka, Minnetonka, no, or something like no, that. But, it, uh, it was at um, well, we practiced at River Falls, Wisconsin. They were at uh, begins with an M. It's not Manitoba, but it's Minnetonka. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. That's it. Yeah, yeah. So, so uh, we were out there. I mean, it was hot, but like it wasn't that bad. And he ends up dying because one, they weren't like. They didn't have porta potties on there, and he didn't feel like comfortable pissing. I know. Oh remember my that? god! Remember that we they say, they say that that it was so hot that no matter how much you drink, it'll dehydrate. Yeah. And I was like, um, I'm and, pretty sure that's not how the body works. And but, they had you know fans. what kind of code well, science was that? They would sell tickets to the practices, right? And so, but they didn't have porta potties out there. So, like you know, and like you know, like it wasn't. You know, if you're going to take a piss, you're going to have fucking thousands of people watching you with your dick out because they're all around. Yep. And then you got to like get some trainer to cover you with a towel or just whip your dick out and piss or piss your pants, which I think is even fucking more gross, even though a lot of dudes did it. See the right. fucking piss coming down their leg because there was nowhere to piss. So they had no bathroom facilities available. Um, it was 100 plus degrees. He was already severely out of shape and fucking, uh, you know, fucked his uh, conditioning test up. And uh, it was hot. I mean, you know, and the water, they weren't giving him enough water. And the dude ends up dying, which is tragic as shit. But then they were like, oh. It's not the NFL and their shitty policies. It's the fucking ephedrine. And we got to ban that. And I was like, this is fucking bullshit. Yeah. And that's, unfortunately, that's, some, you know, obviously with sport, no, everything is going to be uh, correct. But I can tell you that the sport itself is is much, well, it's much more advanced than than, than where the, the these fight organizations are today. Yeah. Well, I mean, so, so Bob, the, uh, I mean, you were, you were a star. Of like, I mean, mm-hmm. like you were in Electra. I mean, you were in movies. Longest I mean, yard. Do the longest yard, which is still fucking one of the funniest. I mean, you were a star of like the silver screen. You were fucking like, weren't you Asian Man Time Magazine of the Man of the yep. Year three times? Yes. Uh, the yes. best selling dildo in the history of the yep. world is basically Man. called the Beast. Yeah. There you go. Uh, we enjoy I, it. Uh, and I Bob's heard. face is on this thing. And Asian women buy these things by like the truckload. Bob sent me a picture. He's like, dude, they're making a dildo. And uh, it's called the Beast. And it's fucking sold like 100 million of its fucking, you yeah, know. Yeah, it was, so it was ridiculous. It sold some big ass numbers. Bob, I even heard about uh, some back hair tea. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. They shaved my hair, the chest hair. Uh, yeah. They, they, they put it in there and they start drinking it. Oh, man. It, it, it's been. It's been very unique. So even recently now, you know, it's so it's no big deal to hear women screaming and, and jumping on that me in Japan. That's that's quite normal. OK, that's that's very normal because obviously sex toy and all this stuff. That's that's where the mania is. That's normal. Now, what's unique is when now Korea, same thing, because that was my second market. But what ended up happening recently is because of the covid. I was in I was end up uh, just training here. And well, I went to get my physical in the hospital, stopped. All the nurses started screaming and running. We had over 150 women screaming and running, taking pictures, going crazy. Doctor comes out, what the heck's going on? They're asking me to parade around in my boxers. And the doctor says, Man, I've never even seen you looking like this before, Bob. And and, and I said, Yeah, me neither. They said, Okay, we can take some photos, but we'll make sure that, you know, that will no get posted. Of course, that that never really worked out as far as not getting posted. So now, where I'm located, Thailand is aware, Cambodia is aware, all these other Asian countries are aware, Vietnam is aware. So you'll just have to watch what transpires next because it gets to be very, very funny very, very quickly. Okay, now, pre-COVID, I was 
you know, it, it used to kind of, you know, I did enjoy a little bit of that attention, you know, 50 women running around me screaming and going crazy all the time. It's, it's, it's a lot. Okay. It's, it's, it's like a, a big it's good life. It's good to be the ego king. boost. Yeah, it's great. But now with COVID, I'm so afraid. You guys have no idea. It's like, it's like totally reversed on me, man. You know what I mean? Like when I go out to the market and all these people start gathering to me, I start getting so scared. I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to catch something. I'm going to get, oh, oh, y'all, I got to go. I got to go. Monkey pops. I run back to the car. Monkey pops. You know? Oh man. Bob, why, uh, like, I mean, uh, Thailand's an incredibly beautiful place, but what was, uh, what drove you there within the retirement plan? Was it the fact that it's like a lush, uh, like just basically tropical place and the, co- the cost of living? I mean, did you kind of like assess the world and try to figure out like, where I could stretch the dollar and for live my, the life I wanted. Yes, for my retirement scheme, I used what I learned in the NFL in that seminar, and I learned what I learned in college. And I made and I took those parameters and I made my retirement, uh, my retirement, the the actual real one, John. You know what I mean? Like the real one, you got to read. You know what I mean? That one, I really had to do that. And so I had these lists of provisions that went down. Of course, I worked with uh, the the NFL and I worked with the professionals that they allowed me to to that they brought at my disposal, and I worked out the program. Now, for me, I can tell you that what some of my parameters were. Okay, so and I can tell you why they were there. Okay, so first, first I'll tell you the perimeters that what they are. For my perimeters are, I am unable to number one watch any bodybuilding. That's out of there. I'm unable to watch any fighting. I can engage with no fighting. I can no do, and I can no do any weight lifting, period. Okay, now that's because if I start, to, and the same thing for the pro wrestling, I have to do that, and, and I can no watch pro wrestling. And, and that's because if I start to do bodybuilding, pro wrestling, to whatever, I start thinking, oh man, hey, I, I want to be like 400 pounds again, and I want to, you know, and, and, uh, oh, is that one sandwich? I got to eat eight sandwiches. What is that? Five, one, eight ounces of protein? I got to get get 20. What is that? Oh, this is a new supplement that's available here. What is that? That that deals with releasing growth hormone and testosterone and all these things. Give me, give me, if it's a bottle, give me 50 of the goddamn bottles. You know what I mean? So that's where it starts getting into that one. So that's why I'm removed from there. Why about the weights? Because when you start lifting weights, the person starts saying, oh, what did I used to do in, 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 in high school or what did I used to do in college? And then as you deteriorate, you start thinking, oh, my God, I'm getting lower. I'm getting weaker. I got to take something. I got to do something. Or, you, or you're forced to put more weight on the bar. And that's going to then, of course, hurt your bones, right? That's going to be effectively get. your retirement plan was protecting you from you. Yeah. Well, I had to be very honest. OK, so so now I needed to have the relief. For the com- for for me to compete, for me to to do add my athleticism. So what what ended up having to be, I ended up having to pick that weighted calisthenics, weighted yoga, and a mixture of that, that where I where I did the meditation. Because so I have to now I now I, I decide hmm, how long can I meditate more than six to eight hours? Can I do it in solid ice chest? Yes, I can. Um, how many pull ups can I do? My best was forty nine in college. So now I'm, I'd like. I just did a hundred today. So, you know, so now I'm, I'm so I'm, I'm so a hundred pull-ups at one time without coming off the bar. No, 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 without coming off the bar. So, so uh, with, it took me, I think it took me about an hour and a half. 
Okay. Don't, 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 I was going to say, man, so, if you got a hundred dead hang pull-ups, dude, without coming off the bar, no. we got. No, no, no. Like, I can do. Like, I, I got a fucking circus to put on with you. Yeah, I did. I did forty-nine without coming off the bar in college. Now, um, now I'm doing a different set of things. So now I'm doing a different set of skills that are unlocked on on the, the the bars and things like that. So I don't like to talk too much about it because I'm able to unlock a lot of those skills that most of these smaller guys are unable to do, and and it's it's pretty uh, unique and unusual. So I'll do that. I'll come forth at that time, you know, when when, when I'm when it's perfected, when it's, it's perfected enough, anyway. So, well, Bob, anyway, so uh, I had to do that stuff. Well, what, my, uh, what about the meditation deal? Um, I, you know, I know we've we've talked extensively about this, and like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, it's pretty wild when people like, you know, oh yeah, meditation's easy, right? But like the ability to sit there and clear your mind and legitimately think of nothing is next to impossible. Like that's um, I, I really dug into um, like the the Buddhist meditation deal with like you know like uh, the beats and like what they'll do is like you know they'll sit there and they'll meditate and the minute a thought comes into their mind they'll like click a bead and like you know and then remember to clear and then they get to the point where like you know I mean you've you've delved deep deep into this meditation mm-hmm. and uh, you know if you go back I mean I, I always like there's like um, I don't know if you ever saw it but uh, they had this like uh, this Buddha. That was in this monastery and they actually took it and they x-rayed it and they found that there was actually a real oh, person yeah, a inside person, of it. Yeah. And he was literally in the Lotus and what these, what would happen, well, you know, whether or not you believe it or not, but I, I do. And I know Bob has probably seen this. Like these guys will enter this state where they pretty much like, like they're stuck in this meditation. So, I mean, there's some really interesting stuff where they talk oh, about, cool. you, know, re, you know, reaching Nirvana. So uh, I know Bob's dug into this. So I don't want to let the cat out of the bag. I'll let him tell, talk about it. Yes. So I have a freezer that I that I have in my like butterfly room in my anti-stress lab that I get in and I go in there. So your ice cold water is roughly 58 degrees. So I get in there and I get in there. Now I'm at the 42, 40 degrees range. So I get in that and I will meditate. So I'll actually do my deep breathing in that and I stay in that and I'll stay in that one for about a good 30 minutes and then I'll get out and I'll jump into my pool for about five minutes and then I'll get out and do it again. Then I'll stay in there for 35 minutes and I'll get out. Then I'll stay in there for 40 minutes. And then when I'm in there, I will get a, a towel and I'll put it across my back and I'll see if I can generate enough heat for that towel to, to heat itself off of. I'm getting extremely close. I'm doing fantastic with my breathing in my, in my uh, period of being able to hold. And, and John is right. So I, I'm actually doing so well that, you know, I will go public soon with how well I'm doing, but on some of those exercises that I do, I've applied those those principles to it, and I've done some pretty amazing things, okay? Really amazing to the point to where, uh, you know, I like to see somebody that was uh, 170 pounds do it, okay? Because you don't get th- people over 300 pounds, you don't get people 250 doing it. You don't, you very rarely get a lot of people doing that are 170. So I've come across Nobody on the, the internet so far. I've come across two Russians. One's 265 and the other one's 350. But uh, they've done a couple of these moves. But for the most part, no, they still can't touch where I'm at at all. And even if they could touch it, that just makes three of us. So it's okay. What was your first meditation experience? Did they try to expose it to you in college athletics? Or did you wander into it at some point in your Wandered. wrestling fighting career? Wandered onto it to my wrestling and fighting career because I had to learn how to. Well, study and and, and re- relay how 
I'm almost traveling a lot. I'm on the airplane a lot. So I first learned it for how to deal with all those long flights. Now, then I started using it for how to improve athletic performance, how to improve rapid learning, how to decrease my heart rate, how to decrease my heart, ple- my, my heart pressure. I started learning how to deal with pain through it, and it just gets addicting. One of the things that I, I really must stress is that I am single, I have no children, and I'm fully retired. So I can dedicate every ounce of my life to studying meditation, every ounce of my life to studying anything that I want to study, any ounce of my life doing any of these, whether it's weighted calisthenics, calisthenics, meditation, weighted yoga, I can do all of those things. So it's not going to take me but 24 hours to unlock any move on anything, okay? Because I can do it a thousand times and then go to sleep, wake up and do it a thousand times again until I get it right. There is no excuse for me to no, no do anything because I am completely retired and I enjoy that, okay? So I have full staff, chef-made driver. So my day looks like this. Uh, wake up and uh, do what I want. And sometimes <laughs> I go back to sleep. Sometimes I get up again. I have no bedtime. I don't have anything. I just relax and enjoy my day. Now, that's what I wanted to do. When you come back and say, why did you pick Thailand? That's why I picked Thailand. So on my retirement list, after I went down to all those things upon which I had to no do, then it, at that very end, it was sabai, sabai, alone am I, which means I'm okay. I'm off to Thailand. So that's, and, and I had studied that throughout all of those countries that I went to. Thailand was enough. Why Thailand? Thailand loves and understands fighters. They love Muay Thai down here. Yep. So they all know who I am and it's definitely cheaper. I'm, I'm, I'm like in a nine bedroom place, fully furnished, fully staffed, nine bedrooms, seven baths, two acres, fully fenced. I got a pool, a weight room, a pond, an anti-stress room. I have everything I want. And it's running me roughly 15000 a year. So I'm loving life. Wow. I'm loving it. And, and, is, and the, and is the that, guys are very, very beautiful people. Is that because you're Bob Sapp or is it just because that's the cost of living in Thailand? I'm sure it's a combination of the two. Uh, a combination is definitely cheaper out here. But my neighbors do benefit from having me around, right? So, you know, I'm younger. I, I, I'm in shape. I can I can move things for for the for the older community. I can move things for my neighbors that are older. I can move things for for the retirees that are there. I'm also here to to tell. I can teach them. I, they love just to hear me talk about stories and and they love the entertaining stuff. They love to come over here. Sometimes they'll they'll bring me a bunch of uh like different uh, fruits and stuff that go around and different gifts and stuff like that. So they just love that you know. And they just they just in general just love being over here. They always call me a a superstar in, in, in all this kind of stuff where I go out and they just go crazy. So it's, it's a really a fun situation. Now, of course it is kind of, you know, it does get kind of scary for me to travel. I was supposed to go to Japan here this, this end of the month. And then they called me back and said, you know, Bob, it's a big event and you're way too popular. And we're just a little bit too afraid that you're going to catch COVID and you're in the middle of this Mike Tyson thing right now. And you're in the middle of, of doing this movie over here and you're in the middle of doing this, you know, this expansion deal for Malaysia so it's a lot of stuff. So they just decided to kind of cool out on that. Uh, have you ever thought like, I mean, uh, Thailand has got some pretty amazing, uh, amazing, um, you know, monasteries and like, you know, your access in terms, have you ever thought of like walking up into Wuhan mountain and like entering some like, you know, Buddhist monastery where all of a sudden now you like live the life and wear the yellow robes, I've and, done, you know, float? I've, I've, I have done, I've have done some of that stuff and I've done it around the world. I've done it in Brazil, and I, that, that's some of the stuff that I got to do while I was traveling. I mean, 
that's one of the things, you know, just, just don't look at the fact that I went out there and had to do some combat entertainment. But when I was there, I got to engage with some of the, the top businessmen and some of the best people that would teach me all kinds of stuff. And that's why I call it Southern Zambia. It actually took me that I was a solo man doing it cheaply and effectively from A to Z, which is Z in Zambia. So that's how I was like, wow, this is, man, I, I learned something. I actually found, I found myself, I found a life, I found purpose, you know? And, and it's, it's crazy because, you know, here I am and I know who I am. I'm somebody that I, I'm unable to stay put in one place. I cannot stay in America and learn English and sit in the same spot for the rest of my life. I cannot do that. So I got up and I went to Japan. In Japan, it was fantastic. And that was great. And I did that for 20 plus years in Japan. Guess what? I still cannot stay in Japan. I got to learn another language. I got to do something. I traveled to 150 countries. So now I'm in Thailand. And I'm no going to only live here in Thailand either. I'm already looking at going to different countries to live. And I'm looking at different languages that I'm going to learn in the different countries. Okay? It's very easy to learn a language when you're on the road. You don't need to learn every language. You just need to learn which language is effective for communication. And all you need to know is how did how do you say? If you learn how do you say, and then you have that language, then you will learn it extremely quickly. So I just say press the tie. So that means what does it mean in Thai? And then they'll tell you one noon. Okay, so I can learn that completely, and I can learn that from my staff. I don't. And, and how do I conversate with everybody else when I have no idea of the language? I use body language, or I use icons. You know, I, your icon books like if you go to the bathroom, it'll have like a. Uh, yeah. symbol so it'll be a male in a, in a, or a male female or a female i use all of those uh bob with with um uh <clears throat> like with the man let me figure out how to put this so like you know now you've become a citizen of the world and you've like traveled and you live in different places i mean I, you know uh i've been to japan uh you know traveled you know not as extensively you but like you know are is there a um you know feeling of like comfort because you are such a big star within the asian market that like those kind of Asian countries are very receptive to you being there. So Absolutely. a place like. Absolutely, John. Absolutely. And I, and you know what, John, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you, yes, I love it. And yes, it is. And that's why one of the reasons why I'm never going back to the United States. You're absolutely correct, John. Absolutely. When I go to the hospital, I'm only waiting 15 minutes. Yeah. For VIP. You're absolutely right. Totally right. Absolutely. You know, and 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 uh, when I go down to different hotels, they give me the VIP service everywhere I go. I can go to any club, can can go to walk down the street. The women all clamor around me. Everybody comes over there. They sit down with me as if I'm best friends. They all clamor and scream my name when I walk down the street. Yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and stay here in Asia, going back and forth, and I can do that any country in Asia. Okay, how's the food? But, I mean, pretty much anywhere, but really in Asia, it's really, 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 really phenomenal. You know so what I mean? So Bob, uh, Bob's not a big eater. Uh, this is, and I know you're going to fucking blow my, like, like Bob and I would go out and eat and he would order like, just like little right. appetizers, just never been a big eater, which is amazing for a dude that's 400 pounds that you got to be the big, <laughs> like eating appetizers, which fucking blows my mind. So has the diet changed at all? Uh, you know, no, you John, more- John, you, you know, sometimes when you talk, you, 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 you know me so well, I'd be like, man, why did you tell him all this? Man, but you, you're right. So that is part of the thing is that I well, dude, I've been talking shit to, to you about this stuff for fucking 20 years, dude. Like, we go out and eat yeah, and just I order mean, so, as much so, appetizers. So, I'm like, you weird motherfucker. He's so, like, uh, I don't have a big appetite. John is absolutely correct. So what, uh, that's why I have to get away from all that bodybuilding, all that other kind of stuff. Because I have to eat and down so much stuff to do that big beast persona, big beast gimmick. Because I am naturally a very, very extremely 
lean person. Okay, so, but the beast is no lean. I used to always say the same thing to John. I used to say, John, look, I ain't kid Romeo. I cannot look like this. I got to look like, the beast, you know? And he'd be like, man, don't look like that, man. I think that's going to hurt your heart. No, 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 hold up. Tell you what, no. I have and to do this because if I look dude. too big, you know, if I look too small, I'm, I'm going to lose my image. You know what I mean? I got to hold on to this image. Yeah, but that was okay but, then. But we yep. talked about this. People, like big dogs don't long live as long as little dogs. That's right. And, and the life expectancy of people over 400 pounds, when you look at like the actors, like that Bane dude, remember he was over 400. If you look at yes. the amount of dudes that were over 400, like your life expectancy goes down like exponentially. That's what makes me Or even special. 300 plus. Yeah, I mean, dudes, but I mean, look at all these, like, uh, uh, you know, I saw some kid who was a, a, you know, first, second year NFL player, showed up at 418 pounds, and they're like, oh, he slimmed down to 375, and now these 18-year-old kids are, you know, like, I wasn't 300 pounds until I was 21 years old. Like, it took me, you know, and I never really played over three, I was 308, 310 the majority of my career, um, uh, because, you know, I mean, especially, you know, Bob and I constantly talking, being like, fat's oxidative. It, uh, it'll wear your joints down. You know, if you can, yep. you know, it, it's better to be a leaner, faster, more athletic, more flexible individual than a, just a fucking fat tub of shit. And, um, you know, this is, you know, basically Bob and I's conversations because I was still kind of in that mindset a little bit. Like early on when I first came in the NFL, they wanted me to weigh 325, 330 pounds. I'm six, five white dude. And like, I tried to get up, I got up to 326 and it was just way too big. And Bob's like, dude, you're going to fucking, you're basically going to get your ass cut. Remember that? You you were like, dude, yep. dude you slimmed the fuck yep. down. And I did. And, um, you know, that idea of being, you know, carrying more muscle, being stronger, being more flexible, more powerful, maybe giving away some size, you know, had advantages, especially within health. Because today we don't have the same fucking health issues that most of these guys got. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. And, and you know what? And that's, again, that goes to sticking with someone that is like your partner in it and say, okay. I'm, I'm you're we're gonna we're gonna be brothers and ride on through with life and you have a common similarities and and, and all these things so for for john and myself it was okay let's do the health thing and and take, take you do the family stuff bob you you make sure you stay out of trouble you know get busted over there doing crazy stuff which i've never done so bob's bang, like you're getting married having kids what the fuck i'm like well, this is, yeah it's part of the deal okay i'll show up to support you i ain't doing it <laughs> that's right so so, you know, it's, it's so, it, but it ended up being, so now our common niche is health, family, welfare, all of those things in, in, in financial independence. And we actually talk about real issues. So it ain't, Hey, uh, did you see the girl over there? Did you check out the game? That's what happened with me towards the end of my career. And let me tell you something. These fighters are absolutely ridiculous because they've got the, 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 the problem that the fo- football players had to have when they was too extreme and they, and I'll tell you what you think my list is extreme. I can tell you these football players are going to have to go, or these fighters have to go through the same thing. Cause this is what the fighters do. Okay. They fight men their whole life, right? Beat them up. Boom, 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 boom. Right. They train against men. So they've got spandex on no shirts on and they're rubbing, bumping and grinding on them all the time. Right. In the, in, in the ring doing all their mixed martial arts and all that stuff. Right. So you're doing, doing that. Then they're getting out and they're showering with men. And then they're watching the fighting on television. And then they're, they're spending very little time with females or their spouses or whatever others. Okay. That, that, that time frame for how much you're spending with men doing violent stuff and crazy stuff and how much you're spending with your spouse in education and financial freedom. That is so lopsided with these combat entertainers. They, I don't, I don't call them fighters, but you know, but for the sake of discussion, articulation, 
we'll, we'll call them fighters. So, so because I, I don't like that terminology at all, but um, really more like thugs over there. But anyway, uh, so with all of that said and done, you know, they're spending more time with men doing men's stuff than without their spouses. So what happens is when they get out of that, if they ever get out of it, they go, well, I'm going to open up a gym. Okay. Which is, which is really ridiculous. Okay. Or then they, 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 if they're older and they used to have a name, then they're busy calling out Jake Paul and Logan Paul and all that other silly stuff. Cause they, they've got, they've had no, it, it, they've had no planning for their retirement plans. Okay. They've spent no time with their spouse because they've been too busy playing with the boys all the time. And I, now these fighters, the professional fighters call me and they say, Bob, how did you do it? And I tell them, you know what? You guys need to unplug. You're spending too much time around guys all the time. And that's why you're getting unplugged. Unless you really like guys in an intimate, on a, what is it? Intimate, intimate way, intimate. you know, like in, in a, in a loving type of a situation, like homosexual type of situation, then would, would that only work? They're spending so much time with the guys, with the boys, with this, with this, you know, what's even crazy. Some fighters even go as far as they go. It's before the fight. I'm not going to even have sex. So now they've given their testicles to the promoter. You know what I mean? It's like they literally have, have they, they literally are no messing around with any girls. Right. So they're well, not doing that. That was wasn't that Muhammad Ali and like some of those like like that's like an old fight myth where like celibacy before the fight like I think that was hey uh, but you know, some of these uh, guys believe it okay you know athletes believe anything you tell them rat yeah. rat poop gets you big they're going to be injecting it and snorting it so you know so it, it just it's just you know you, you just got to go through and just say you know what guys it's you're about no balance, doing the right dude. thing I think what you're yes. getting at is balance people need balance and what happens is is uh, when you get too far out of balance where you're you know, too much male energy, maybe not enough female. Like I, I really think God, you know, or who, whatever being you believe that's created this right. wonderful, wonderful place, um, you know, is constantly searching for balance. I mean, look at me, I ended up with, you know, a wife and I got two daughter twin girls and, you know, I got cash, my son. So like, you know, that's like the balance piece and where, you know, you're around men all the time and they always wonder why, you know, all these professional athletes that are around dudes end up having a bunch of girls. And my only, you know, like, my only explanation is balance. Like the, the universe is yep. searching for balance. And so, you know, God gives you what you don't necessarily have. And if you're around right. dudes all the time in this, then you know what? Uh, God gives you balance. But uh, the other question I always wanted, and you and I have never discussed this. Why were you too big a star for the UFC? Did Dana White and the UFC ever reach out to you or did they just stay the fuck away from you? Cause you, you were can only too- be 265. You can only be 265 pounds in America. I was 265 pounds at 17 years old. <laughs> no UFC ever was going to happen for me. So for everybody out there that's like, well, uh, uh, Bob, uh, could go to the UFC. No, I cannot go to the UFC. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, we never talked about it. I I just yep. figured, uh, you know, like I mean, I know within their sanctions, but now they fight in other countries. I always wondered, like, you know, because uh, you know, Josh Barnett, even though he would slim down to two sixty five, I mean, he was an ugly three hundred. I mean, he was a, a rough three hundred. But I mean, some of these guys have been. You know, like when Josh was 300 plus, it wasn't all that pretty. Uh, but like, you know, a lot of these dudes, like, you know, were 300 plus pounds. I mean, so there, there was guys. But he was that never are, fighting in UFC at 300 pounds. So he was, he was, he'd always come in at 265. Yeah, he'd 265. Always make but, but he'd fight in pride and, and some of the Japanese stuff at 300. He was, he was pretty heavy. I, I don't know what, what his weights was there, but because uh, I was primarily, when he was there at, at pride, I was at K1. So we would speak occasionally, but we were, we were kind of separate because, listen, any guy, that's almost like a blur for me that whole time. I was working so much. I never even got to see half of the stuff 
that you guys got to engage in, get to see. You know, I don't even have some some of the some of the wonderful collectible items. I don't even have that stuff. Okay, everybody has the stuff, and and some of the fans started sending me some of that stuff, and and it, it's just you know, Dude, it is uh, what it is, brother. That's just what it is overseas. If you brother. guys want to go back and watch because they're on YouTube, um, the Ernesto Hughes fights with Bob were absolutely fucking incredible. When you power slam that dude and dropped him on his fucking neck, I don't. That's I mean, Noguera, he, yep. yeah, oh yeah, that was Noguera. That's right. Uh, Noguera never fought again after you fucked his neck up. But dude, those Ernesto Hughes fights were absolutely fucking incredible. Yes, I mean, yes. I mean, dude, that well, was, he, he he never fought again in Pride, but I think he fought in UFC later on. Well, I mean, but but the fact that people are like, oh, Bob can't fight, dude. Go back and watch that shit. Like Bob legitimately was fucking kicking ass. And that was when you know you were like the floodgates were open and people wanted to see you as a fighter. And I felt like later on towards the end of your career, people were more interested in making money off of your losses than they were seeing you fucking be the best. Absolutely. You know what? And it's fine. It's fine. I got, listen, I got no damage up in this mug and I got well, no physical damage. I know they I paid you more to lose than they did Come to on. win. So, I mean, you yep. got paid more to lose than to win. So, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, I mean, who cares? Hey, hey, all I can tell you is that uh, the contract that I signed with the promoter as well as with myself because I happen to be some of the promoters at some of those events, which nobody even thought of, okay, which was ridiculous. So now, you know, it's kind of, you know, it, it'll be coming out. There's some documentaries that are going on about me right now. So a lot of this stuff you'll start seeing. And they're, they're finding out that a lot of the stuff over there is so ridiculously wrong. But I'm laughing because I'm going, well, what do you expect? I live in Japan. I live in overseas. You guys don't have anybody out here. You know, it's so funny. My life is so funny. Literally, I can show you articles that they're writing about me in america saying bob Sapp is no longer popular he's diminishing his 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 popularity in japan and in japan my commercials are on every taxi in their writing bob's commercials are so popular in japan that we think we should stop them because we don't know if it's racism because they had me performing with the police in one of them so you got two totally different set of w- where i live they're talking about how much money I'm making and the fact that I'm on commercials and is it racism in America? They're going, uh, Bob's no popular anymore and it's diminishing his career. And meanwhile, I'm laughing going, they look at my Instagram, they go, Bob, is this you on your Instagram? Yeah, no, that's no recent pictures. No, that's just Bob Sapp. That's the Instagram for plus weed in Japan and big boss. Yes. I do make money off of that. Yes. I do enjoy that. Yes, they, they, yes, they, yes, I am an endorsed product or whatever. And, you know, I still have endorsement deals. I just got uh, last year. Let me let's go backtrack. Verizon in Japan, I'm undefeated. When I make six figures, I'm undefeated. That's a fact. You can look at the Ryzen contract. You can look at the you can look at the Ryzen record. It's undefeated. Now, if you look at all these little fights that everyone's like, oh, but he lost, he lost. Well, See if the organization is still around. <laughs> Man, those organizations were in on Saturday and gone by Sunday. And these guys are making like a big deal of it. You know, I'm just totally cracking up. I'm like, man, they've got no idea what they're even talking about. You know, oh, yeah. they've got no idea. Yeah. But- I mean, shit, shit, Bob, you're always going to be. Uh, I mean, dude, I, I'll tell you this. When we were in Japan, um, there were three distinct occasions where I looked up. Like we were on the uh, like uh, I remember we were on the on the train, the bullet train. And we stopped at the station, like, you know, they have, like, ads. Like, there's fucking Bob. 
And then it's like we were like, you know, I saw on a taxi and then there was a billboard. I mean, there were three random occasions when I was in Tokyo, Osaka, and then also when we were heading to Seiki where I spotted Bob. I Did y'all get a chance to connect out there? Uh, no, he was, I think he were in Russia or somewhere. He was like the, the week that I was out there or the, the two weeks I was out there with Rick. Uh, Bob was, he was in some foreign country, which sucked. I would have, uh, uh, I would have loved. Uh, so Rick tells a great story that uh, they got into a cab uh, to go somewhere with Bob. And uh, Bob like cracked a joke or like the dude made a joke or something. And Bob started laughing and the and the, fucking, <laughs> the cab started rocking back and forth because Bob was laughing so hard. And so Rick always tells the story. He's like, dude, he almost flipped a cab fucking laughing. It was like fucking ho- like like a, a Godzilla on in Japan. So so, dude, yeah. what's uh, like, I mean, uh, we are coming to visit you. So I, I've already locked that in. So we, we got to find a time when shit fucking chills out. But like what I mean, like. You're retired. You're obviously living, you know, the life that you want, which is what you've always wanted to do. You wanted to be yes. able to live the life that you want unabated by fucking right. idiots. So now that you have that, like, I mean, do you just... Uh, the fact that I love people and give away all my money, absolutely, and done so in Africa, gave 40,000 kids clean water. Yep. Did so yeah, that's what I wanted to get into. Went out there yeah. and did it myself. Yeah, let's get into the... the Because uh, I remember you were shooting me pictures from Africa mm-hmm. like this with, like, thousands of kids going crazy. So I wanted to wrap a little bit about the Africa thing and the clean water. Yes, I gave, um, I sold, I, for me, I always find it kind of strange when you get these multimillionaires, whether they're entertainers, athletes, or businessmen, and they go, uh, I'd like to get some money so I can give to charity. Whoa, wait a minute. Y'all already got money and you don't want to give your own money out. That's the problem. So I don't do that. So I just took my own money, went to Africa myself purchased the water filters, the Bob Sapp water filters, and gave them to children up to 40,000 of them now can drink clean water, okay? I ended up doing that, and it was fantastic. The schools loved me. Everything was going fantastic. And just with some good things, there's always some bad, and it ends up that some of the water filters got a little bit too popular, and then they started wanting to sell them on the black market. And then the then the next thing you know, the hotel is using up all my, uh, the car illegally, and then they kidnap my girl and i'm getting extorted but you know that's kind of happens when you go down around the world sometimes uh this is how bob drops these bombs he's like i mean <laughs> this is this is an everyday yada, occurrence. Yada, yada. yeah and then i get you know then i was a ransom and this and there you know i was on an island with a sheik that had a hawk and like it was cool yes. and then we left you know so like it's always these pretty epic stories but dude i mean that's always been a piece where um you know i know that was always important to you the idea of like giving back but more importantly doing it without uh, you know, expecting something in return. And I know the frustration, right. like you said, you know, you, re- you meet these rich people that, you know, have made exorbitant amounts of money and yet, you know, are fucking, you know, wallets tighter than mosquito nuts to quote Bob, which I got that one from him. But like, you know, the alligator arms were like, you know, they don't want to spend any money. And like, you know, here's Bob right. who, who's been, you know, like, dude, I remember when you went down to Atlanta, dude, and that dude fucking stole your cash. Like that was like, <laughs> I, and I mean, dude, those were dark days. And I remember talking to Bob and being like, dude, this shit's going to change, dude. You're going to pop. It's going to explode, dude. Fucking just Man, keep hanging on. And he did. Dark. And it's pretty amazing to like me personally uh, to see, you know, like this kind of deal where it's like, choo, and to sit there and smile and be like, Bob's fucking big, one of the biggest stars in the world. And, uh, you know, there was a moment when he thought it was all lost. So, I mean, the idea big of dark. like con- consistency, hard work, resilience, I mean, all the things we promote within power athlete and the podcast and, you know, and within life, which are really unsexy in a lot of ways, like, 
you know, move the dirt, be consistent. I mean, Bob's really the model of this of like, dude, when it's, you know, it's always what it's always darkest right before the dawn, like you, but you have to keep going. It would have been too easy to give up. And if you did, man, like, and you also, the one thing too, that, uh, that I've taken from you is the, um, like the mindset to take a chance. Whereas I feel like a lot of people are real, like, Oh, I don't want to do this. Bob's like, fuck it. You want me to fight refrigerated Perry? I'll go fight him. Uh, you want to go to Japan? I'll fucking go to Japan. So like, you know, there's never been a moment where Bob's been like, ah, you know, it might be too much work. Like he is like legitimately like the movie. Yes, man. Sounds good. Let's fucking go. And I'm going to show up and fucking give you a hundred percent and work as hard as you you need me to and kick ass. And I'm going to let the chips fall where they may. And now here we are in this shit. I mean, over shit. (laughs) I came in 23 years. We've known each other. Um, to see this has been, you know, amazing to be your friend and to really just see this rise has been fucking awesome to view as a fan as well. I appreciate it. Thank you. You're absolutely right. You know, and, and that's when I got in the ring against Ernesto and, and I see these, these fighters today and they're like, Oh, give me like two months of training and then I'll be able to come get him. I'm like, dude, walk in there now and fight. What's the problem? Yep. What, 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 what's going on? What's, if, the, if you saw the guy right now at seven 11, you're going to tell me you're going to run? You ain't going to run. Go. So for me, when it was Ernesto Houston or any of those guys, okay, I'm here. Let's go. I'm, I ain't getting any younger. Let's go. What, what, what are we waiting on? A bunch of ego? You know, drop the drop the ego, pick up the paycheck. You know what I'm saying? I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, gone. So, you know, a lot. So, you know, hey, I just get it. I just go. I don't, I, I just will do it. This is, that's the thing about when I'm doing this, like, for, for some of these, these calisthenic type moves in the, in the, in the, so I perform them on, on bars. I perform them on, 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 on your pull-up bar. I perform them on just your little regular bars that you see for gymnastics. And when people see me doing that, you know, they, they're just absolutely amazed. And they're like, well, well, man, that's got to take so long. That's so hard to whatever. And I'm like, so I'm thinking to myself, what is hard? I mean, man, you know, it ain't like I'm a soldier getting shot at, you know what I mean? I ain't like a, a doctor having to go 20 years you know what I'm saying? I, I don't get this this hard stuff. It ain't like, you know, I know, know enough uh, language that I can tell you the parts of your vehicle. You see what I'm saying? So I'm going, what is hard? Why do you guys keep saying everything is hard? It says, when is that an excuse to no do it? Right? So well, when it, somebody it, tells me. It is an excuse. It, I mean, you know, like uh, people like it, it it's, a, it's an excuse for people that haven't reached this. Oh, it's too hard. If If only things were easier. And I think, you know, the age old Bruce Lee, like. You know, don't pray for an easy life. Pray for the strength to live a, you know, a difficult, hard one. And I know I butchered that quote. But um, there's some real, like, you know, validity in this. And, like, dude, like, if you just keep going and persevering and working hard. And, I like, I hate this, like, fucking, you know me. Like, you know, it feels like all these other podcasts are like, oh, you have to. No. Like, I mean, that's why I think what Power Athlete Radio, what we've done well, is showing real-world examples and some of the, you know, best and brightest people in the world, like Bob, who, you know, were at a point where the NFL didn't want you to do it. You were in WCW, yep. it goes bankrupt. You know, your money gets stolen this, and you got one chance. And it's like that fucking eight-mile moment when you show up and to see my boy fucking kick a dude's ass and then be able to go on and explode like that, you never know when that trigger is going to come or when that windfall is going to come yep. or that, or that you know, levy's going to break. And, like, I don't think you knew it, but you knew what? I'm not fucking doing anything here, and here's an opportunity. I'm going to fucking kick the door off the hinges. And uh, that's been Bob as long as I've known him. You know, like Absolutely. where other people were looking, yeah, well, and, and prepared. But when other people were making barriers, dude, you were making plans, and like that, yeah. that's the one thing I've always said. Like, man, I've learned from Bob is the idea of like, 
dude, when you meet a fucking, you know, like when you meet a barrier, make a turn, go this, just like, just keep moving and keep going. And you know what? Shit will work out. And, um, you know, he's a testament to it. So it's fucking badass, dude. I'm thank, stoked. Thank you. Absolutely. One, I'm stoked you know, that you were able to finally get you on the podcast. <laughs> absolutely. So I'm just surprised pretty soon some of your, your, now we'll have to come back later and tell them the story about how I lost my teeth. So, you know, because I'm pretty sure everybody's like, dang, man, that guy's got, is, does he have any teeth? No, I, I'm, I'm, my teeth are gone. So, uh, yeah, we'll have to come back and discuss that later. But, uh, See you guys. Um, I, I know you got like a prostate or a, like a, uh, like a bite thing that you slip in. I just thought your teeth got knocked yep. out and you just wearing a, a denture. The bite pressure, the bite pressure. My, my, so I have, I'm very strong. So when I, when I was going like this, it's not going to happen instantaneously over 20 years, the bite pressure comes down and the mouthpiece protects you from this pressure here, but no, from the, the coming down. So my teeth would get cracks and then they would then explode. So now all my upper teeth up here are completely gone. So that's one, that's one reason. And another reason is when that other stuff was happening, I kind of took them out to make a weapon, but that's a little something different. So the so. other crazy thing is Bob has the bite pressure of a great white shark. <laughs> it used to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Bob's like called me one time. He was like, man, they measured my bite and I'm fucking got a bite of a great white shark. I was like, I yes. can't believe it. I don't want to get bit by you, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was some funny stuff. So yeah, we, we've done a lot of great stuff over Japan is always doing something zany, something cool. And I really enjoy traveling and liking it. And, and, and John, you're right. You know, that's why when, when arrow, when all this negativity starts hitting me, I'm just totally laughing. Cause I'm like, man, you know, you think I'm not going to take tours around the world you know what I mean? Meet people, have the finest restaurants, go first class everywhere, get paid to do it, and do it injury-free. You got to be out of your mind. You know what I mean? And don't break a single law. You guys can have it in America. Seriously, they can sit back and have all of that. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm enjoying every bit of it. And now they're unable to do it because of the COVID. You're not going to be able to travel 150-plus countries and be an independent fighter at all, ever. So... You know, you're not going to be able to do, make 54 million people to watch you in a single time because now they have YouTube and they have YouTube. Uh, what, what else they got? YouTube, uh, uh, Netflix. I mean, think about how all the, the, the attention is diverted now, right? Yeah, no, so, it's just diluted. Uh, yeah. Is, so, is, the, uh, is the COVID restrictions pretty stiff over in Thailand? Um, they're, 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 they're toning down a little bit. So now a lot of tourists and stuff is coming back. Of course, the big news in Thailand is that now marijuana is legal over here. So that's big news here. Oh, wow. So now, I mean, I like I, uh, you know, I knew a lot of people that have traveled to Phuket and and all around Thailand and for like, you know, like the raves and the ecstasy and all like the drugs. So, I mean, there's a right. pretty like, uh, you know, uh, party, party culture. Yeah, yeah. Like yep. a big party community. Like what's what's the big festival they have? Like the festival of the sun, midnight. Uh, moon? Midnight. Yeah. Midnight festival. Yep. Yeah. On one of the islands. I think it's a Kosamui or, or something like that island. Big, big, big island. Big festival. Big fun. Everybody going down. Um, Do I go? No. I don't go to those. I don't go to any of that stuff because I don't need to go to any of that stuff, man, to, to get any of that kind of thing to happen around me. Okay. I really don't need, I can go to any place and that's going to happen where I'm at. So I, I don't like to go purposely go to that. See, when I go to stuff like that, it's so hard for me to maneuver and to go places. And it's no like, I, I just I figured you like, like, like and do all this kind of stuff. It's just, it's just crazy. I just figured they pay, painted you in like fluorescent paint and then you would just like come up on a boat. <laughs> With like a light shining on you, and the people would be like, "Ah!" The whole place would like fucking erupt, and Bob would stand <laughs> on a boat, and then just fucking leave. Like that's what I just pictured. Yes, <laughs> man. I mean, just just about. I tell you, it's, it gets to be crazy sometimes. But um, now, now we're we're um, 
Uh, like Japan is a little concerned. I'm not that concerned if I go to Malaysia or Cambodia. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll get some security out there to do something. You know what I mean? It's just, you know, it's crazy because it's like comes in waves. So what happens is, is like when it's first world, like Japan, it's already happened. But then all that wave that's happened five and 10 years ago is now happening at these other countries where I go visit. So like some of them, they'll just now be getting, you know, the K-1 fights. And some of them will now just be discovering who Bob Sapp is. And, and, and wow, they like to see, what do you think about this fighter here, this up-and-coming fighter? Can you tell? that For me, that validity, when I tell them, it means so much to them. It means absolutely nothing for anybody else. Because they, they, I'm known as the guy that made that country popular. You understand what I'm saying? So like when I come in there, when I fought all those little rinky-dink events, they're so happy that I'm there and my name is linked to that event that everybody's watching me get beat up and losing. They're just so happy for that because that organization is gone and now they have something to show their kids that, hey, listen, I really did do this. Look, I brought Bob Sapp in and, and I got him beat up. You know how wonderful that is for those them to be able to tell their kids that. Keep in mind, these guys are making maybe $3 an hour, $5 a day. I mean, come on, you know. Let, let them have some fun and enjoyment in their life, too. You know what I mean? It don't need to be all, you know, beating everybody up all the time. All the time. Anyway, so that was then, and, uh, you know, which is good stuff. And I'm retired, so I don't need to concern about doing any of that stuff any, any longer unless uh, Mike wants to do an exhibition chance. or something. Yeah, I mean, you keep saying it, but is there any chance that something might be able to coax you out of retirement to make you put on the beast mantle again and come out and show a motherfucker who you are. Yes, uh, absolutely. So any any big time um, name like Tyson Wilder, somebody that's older. Okay, I'm no doing. No, I'm no doing. I respect the Pauls. I think it's fantastic. I like to watch their craft and watch their trade. I'm no interested in going against any of them or doing anything like that at all because it's just silly. The, the, I'm, I'm too older. I'm too. I'm too older to even inter entertain something like that. To me, it's like. John, you know what it's like? It's like if you you, if you had your, your kid's friends and all of a sudden, you know, you're like, hey, uh, wh what's your friend Sally's name? How's she doing? You know what I mean? It's like you have no interest in that whatsoever. You know what I mean? This is the age gap is so far down. You don't even, I don't even, it don't even, what, so I, I'm curious to like how these guys that are so older are calling these guys out. But notice something. They're calling the young guy out. They'll never call me out. Okay. They'll never call somebody out almost their own age that, that looks, that knows that can knock them the heck down. You know what I mean? They'll never do that. So they're only doing that stuff because now they want to do the Bob Sapp stuff. Oh, can I go get a money grab? Yeah, you should have did that 10 to 15 years ago. Okay? That's when you should have been thinking about your retirement. That's when you should have been thinking about it. No, now. No, on the backs of a young guy. Come on. Come on. You know, he's already proven he, who he is. He's done his thing. He ain't even an organization. He made his own. Now you guys are coming to him. A lot like the Bob Sapp, right? Y'all keep talking to him, but I'm fully independent. You know what I mean? I have no organization, no nothing. I just travel around the world and get paid, and everybody's like, oh, but but uh, he's taking dives. Show us the contract. Show us who the promoter is. They have no idea. Show us the organization that's still there. They have no idea. But what's sad is some of these other guys come in there, they get beat down, get hurt, and they're unable to, uh, you know, the, the promoter's gone the next day. They got yeah. a lifetime injury. Shit, you just saw that 24-year-old kid. Um, I don't know if the, the clip went viral where he, he took a big shot and then they, they stopped the fight and he uh, acted like he was fighting like an imaginary you know, uh, deal. They he took died. him in. He, and died. he died. Yeah, 24 years old. He had a, had a um, you know, some form of bleed in his brain. I mean, dude, basically that poor kid died. I mean, 24 years my, old. Like, 
Chris, my buddy, just died over here in Japan like two years ago. He, he got knocked down the ring and died. You know, there, I've lost about 80 of my friends between pro wrestling and fights and, and all the other kind of stuff that it's suicide died. and with the NFL yep. and suicide, suicide mafia kills, all all that stuff is, is is sudden death. That's what we got to worry about, John. For us, sudden death. That's that's the the, the big one for us athletes. The big the big guys uh, dying quick to whatever because yep. we're we're big and we, we've been on the whole time to whatever but you know we we, we learned these things you have to you know cope with. that's one reason why you have to get a very good physical fitness program yeah okay that's one of the reasons why i had to that's that's how i ended up being who i am today with with all of the the, the new method of, of training that i'm doing you know that's because i had to change it's unsustainable so i see all these i can tell you i can see these pro bodybuilders i can see these pro athletes these pro wrestlers and all I can say is, look at Bob Sapp, official on Instagram, or, you know, I'll have some other consulting services and let them come out and I can tell them to, how to set up their plan because that stuff they got, it's unsustainable and it's okay. They don't need to agree with me. They will. Right, John? They're going yeah. to. Am I right? 100%. There's no, no way they're going to be. The, you can, you can name all these bodybuilders who are 300 plus pounds, and there's no way they're going to do that. There's no way that that's going to be sustainable. And you can see them now. Some of them are starting to come down, like a uh, floor Game of Thrones, right? You know what I mean? And then yeah, now no, he, he's, he's, he looks great. Good. I agree. keep losing the weight, you know, because you got to get the. You're going to have to get it down. I, I just went to some of my other guys who are dealing with the same thing. They're offensive linemen, and they're like. I was 360. I'm like, how much weight now? I got down to 275. I said, okay, that's great. You probably need to get to 250. Oh, no, no, no. That's too skinny. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait, guys, we're getting older. We got to stop that mentality, man. Sure. We got to stop it. No more are you Hulk. You got to be Spider-Man now, guys. You got to be Spider-Man. And I'm working on being Spider-Man, but it's hard. Man, I got a 12-pack, and I'm still at 300 pounds, so I'm still got to lose some weight. And I'm no, listen, I'm only eating salad and chicken and a few pasteurized eggs and, and dried fruit and water and beet juice. That's all I'm having every daggone day, every day, every meal. And I'm still at 300 pounds plus pounds. And my body fat is, is it's under 10%. Dude, the okay? only way you're getting under 300 is if you remove a leg or an arm. Dude, I think so, man. I'm like, man, I'm, I was, I was, I meant, my doctor just totally laughed, but at least my health is completely optimal and all of that stuff. And I go through and everything is fantastic and it's so great just to look at it and say, ah, now I know exactly what's in my body, exactly what I'm doing. And again, can I lift weights, 600 pounds and all that kind of stuff in the in bench press like I used to? No, absolutely no way I can tell you. Do I look like it? Yes. But because I do this because of the well, training that I do, right? Yeah, so. but uh, it's the foundation you built over the years yeah. of banging all that heavy iron. Like I think what people forget is that there's very real muscle memory, especially when you bang heavy weights for 20, 30 years, and that's your entire yeah, focus. Right, yeah. Like, I mean, you know, it's like for me, like we changed up the training, whatever. Like, I mean, we built such a large base in terms of like, you know, skeletal muscle size and this, that it's, 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 it's fucking hard to lose it. I mean, you know, like, I mean, for people that haven't done it, they kind of balloon up and down. But like, if you've created that large, big base, and I know you do a ton of aerobic training and meditation and yeah. really just taking care of yourself. So, and, you know, and the, the other thing too, that, uh, you know, the hidden uh, killer in all this is stress. You know, a lot of these guys, yes. you know, they don't know how to manage stress. Uh, the only way they manage it is through booze or pills. They don't have any healthy, out, you know, deals, you know, shitty marriages, you know, the, you know, bad business, the whole deal. And the stress becomes just overwhelming. And that's that silent killer. So, you know, one, being able to exercise, live a life that 
as allows you to relax and, you know, be stress-free meditation. I mean, you have all these things in place to do it. I mean, that's yes. a recipe for longevity and I, and something that not, I mean, people talk about, but people just kind of pay it lift service, you know, and it's, it's really, yes. it's real. I agree. And, and, so. and it is definitely something I think that the athletes need to need to use. I think it's something that the, those UFC Bellator and all these other pro fighters, they need to actually do because uh, they're walking around after they get out of learn, listen, they learned all that combat. So what happens when you don't have any place to do what you learned to use it? You know what I mean? Obviously, you're going to want to use it sometime. You're going to want to have to do this stuff. And that's dangerous. You are you know, you're walking around. That's damn near. I, I don't know what it's called, but I'm pretty sure that's close to PTSD, walking around like that. Okay? Always wanting to challenge somebody. Always wanting to be be be, 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 be getting with somebody. Always wanting to, to have to say something to, to, to you know, to, to show your dominance. All of that kind of stuff. And now, when you're younger, it's applauded. But when you get older, you know, that can get you then get you knocked out, okay? Then get you hurt, okay? And then also, if you've no studied finances, there's no studied any technology or anything like that, then you're just going to be taken advantage of, okay? So, you know, I mean, so that's just the bottom line. You know how many people go, yeah, I'm going to make some good investments. Um, So what's a good investment? Uh, Luna. Just should have bought a bunch of crypto two weeks ago and watched that. back? No, uh, actually, the uh, the guy that started Luna, he's on the run right now because they're like the Interpol and all these like different agencies are looking for him. So, Bob, uh, if uh, I know you got to get off to bed, I don't want to keep you up late. But if people want to get a hold of you or people want to follow with, I mean, I, I know it's a quick Google search, but I know you got some Instagram that just popped up. But uh, how's the best way for people yes. to follow you? The best Instagram is Bob Sap Official. So that will be me. You'll see me, and I will be on there with. A lot of plus weed stuff. Now you'll see a lot of the Mike Tyson stuff on there. That's the one that you want to go to. Some of them, some have uh, official Bob Sap, and it's a little bit confusing. So, I mean, it, but it is Bob Sap official, and you'll see the one that has the plus weed on there, which is my my uh, CBD product in Japan. You may see the Mike Tyson stuff on there. You'll definitely see it. That's the one that you can get me. Does it have a blue check mark? No, because I just got my name back. And there's so many fake Bob Saps that every time I write to Instagram, they no believe it's really me writing. Okay, <laughs> so I have no idea exactly how I'm going to be able to solve it, but I will be coming up with a solution quite soon. I assure you. I believe that you will. Well, Bob, hey man, uh, hopefully I'll see you soon in person. It'd be great to see you again. And uh, dude, thanks for coming on Power Athlete Radio. Yes, thank you very much, thanks, sir. Power Athlete. <laughs> thanks, guys. Peace. Bye. Now it's time for you to empower your performance. You can find Bob on Instagram at Bob Sap Official. Until next time, uh, bye!